it is a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. A little bit of a late start today as I was over at uh, 105.7 The Fan. If you tuned in for that and you tuned in, honest to God, what? there's got to be something else that you could do with your day. Six hours of this? Appreciate it. I mean, glad to have you, but I question your life decisions, if I'm being totally honest. I uh, appreciate all of you that uh, checked in during the course of the show. We survived. Hopefully that'll never happen again. Um, yeah, sure. Anyway. Sounds like sounded like a good group. No. Anyway. Because no. of you? Or? Yeah, I was the problem. I was the problem. The Drew and Rita show would have. Yeah. They, probably, they, that has a future. They can have it. <laughs> they can have it. But uh, good to be back over here, and uh, we'll take you. Uh, I'm not going to go too long today because <laughs> I'm tired. Tired. I could use some sleep. Every time I do the morning show, I remember what it's like to do a morning show, and I convince myself, like, I'm not going to do it like I used to. I'm going to get some sleep. And then I attempt to. Go, to. Yeah. Well, this is the other problem. When I do a show, I have to. I, I love I love Rita. Everybody knows I love Rita. Rita likes when I prep the show. She would prefer that I prep the show. Yeah. Now I got to <laughs> prep a show, and I'm, like, stepping on eggshells. Like, what's going to work? How do I make all this? And I got to play the whole thing so i prepped the show last night and i'm like all right i finished by about 10 o'clock i'm like i could still get a good seven hours six ish like i could somewhere between six and seven hours of sleep this will be fine then you go in you try to lay down like you know and you're like oh nba all-star games no definitely was not that (laughs) that was in the back of your mind not not even a thought not even did you have a second one oh Oh God! Oh. I, I ate half of one. I brought we, for I'm into it this morning on the radio show. I brought in uh, icy blue raspberry peeps, which of course it could be anything. Peeps, they're garbage. It says peeps. Peeps well, are terrible. They're they're wretched. They have no place in society. Point, they're a stain on humanity that they exist. So the flavor itself is fine. One of my favorite things flavor as a kid is fine. The problem is it's still a peep. It's a peep. It stinks. Thanks to high head. You ever go to the Westminster Peep Show? No. That was Why fun. would I that was, ever that was do that? That was a fun time over, over spring break. Always. Is that still a thing? I don't know if they still do it. God, burn it. But, burn it with fire. Was, they made like sculptures essentially out of peeps. And oh, I enjoyed what? going to it. Who are we as a society? <laughs> no, shut up, John Colson. <laughs> now blue. I'm going to think less of you as a human. They're not pretty good. The flavor is fine. If it was for anything else, I, oh, I know Leah's a big Peep fan. I had half of one, and, and I thought funny. I liked Leah. I thought I respected her opinions about things, but here she is eating Peeps. God, offered well, nothing to society. Should we all, should we all grade it, I guess? And no, we've already done that, Griffin. I guess I'll give it. Stop it! Sh- Shut up! I gave it a three six. and a half, which is an incredibly high score for a Peep. For a Peep, <laughs> it's a miracle that it's not a zero. That's how good the flavor was. The flavor. Oh, well, so just Peeps aren't for you. That's peeps stink they're not for anyone they're not for they're for two-year-olds if you're older yeah. than two they're you gotta not think about you. the target audience <sighs> for for those two-year-olds they're probably ten and a half you know? what i was <laughs> saying oh i couldn't sleep yeah i couldn't sleep and then my son comes crawling into bed because oh. of course why wouldn't he now i've got there's four of us because the dog's in the bed too and so i'm all I'm rolling and he was tossing. like why aren't they playing defense in the right no no nobody in our house gives a we have a the nice thing about our house is that uh, <laughs> we still fear God, and so we don't 
Although I say that, I had a blue raspberry peep, so I guess I don't. I'm spitting in the face of God. Every day we stray further and further away from God. We watch NBA All-Star games. No, there's no chance in hell that I watched even a split second. of. I watched a little bit of Saturday night, like a small bit, because the dunk contest is garbage. But um, the three-point contest is still good. No, I mean, nothing else. It's just the three-point contest. It's the only thing that's worth watching. Um, you had it on in the, on the small TV behind the fights is right, where I had it. Watching so, the fights. Yeah. Um, yeah, I watched I watched the th- a little bit. I didn't watch the whole three-point contest, but I watched enough. I think I watched the final round and maybe even the tiebreaker that led to the final round. Um, only because people... I wouldn't have watched that if it weren't for the fact that people were tweeting me, reminding me about the floor. And oh, I was my like, God, oh, the floor is terrible. I guess I'll look at the floor, right? <laughs> so I flip over, and then I remember that like the three-point contest doesn't suck, and then I forget, like, oh, right, they're doing the Steph Curry thing. Like, I'll, I'll look at that. But, I mean, there's nothing else about that. weekend is awful. It's an bomb. It's awful. But whatever, if, if it's for you... I, there is no chance in all hell that I'll look at the Daytona 500 today, but I know like our buddy John Little Rock loves it. So God bless, man. Like I, just because it ain't for me, it ain't hurting anybody. I can say if for, I can't imagine what I, I at least if you like the sport, I can understand why you like Daytona 500. If you like basketball, I can't fathom what it is about the All Star Game that you want to watch. I just can't fathom it. It is painful. But I saw Damian Lillard make the 50-foot, like the half-court shot. Why? And, Why? Then, uh, and then I was like, all right, perfect. There's got to be the one anything mm-hmm. else you can do with your time. There has I to did. be. I did. I turned it off right after that. But I why swear. did you watch that? Well, because I just felt like I needed to tune in. No, you don't. I well, promise I you. I saw Dame. Uh, no one wants to talk about it. The only thing anybody wants to talk about after NBA MVP All-Star Week. The only things anybody wants to talk about after NBA All-Star Weekend or what can they do to make the All-Star Game more interesting. No one ever actually has anything about the All-Star Game. But they have any interest in discussing, see Adam Silver nor should they. What? Giving the Eastern Conference the trophy, and he was... He was just what? very disappointed. But why? I don't. What? He was like, "You're still trying to talk to me about the All Star Game." All right, sorry. Like anyone cares. All right, well then change this up. The people that were involved don't care. The people on the floor Damian, didn't care Damian about. Lillard seemed no, to care. He did not. None MVP. of them did. God. See that stat line? Wretched. Just wretched. And you're still trying to force it. You're like, maybe I'll keep trying to All put right, it over. We'll talk about Ilya Taporia. No, we're not going to talk about that either. Maybe on Thursday. Maybe. God, we are like this is the thing. This is like um, when you get into this business, like you think that the way it works is whatever the whatever the event is. That's no. That's, sometimes there's just nothing to talk about when it comes to the event, so you talk about something else. Now, obviously, here locally, there was actually a topic that mattered quite a bit this weekend because of the passing of Lefty Drizel, and we're going to talk about Lefty Drizel a lot during the course of today's show. Um, in a few minutes, uh, Tom McMillan is going to join us, and later on in the program, John Lucas will check in with us to share their reflections on the life and legacy of Lefty Drizel. And it's it's somewhat like when I did the show after Brooks Robinson's passing, is that there's a part of me that feels fraudulent, right? Like I was, I was, a, I was three when Lefty, Lefty Drizel stopped coaching at Maryland. I, I, that part of this, I can't speak to, but his impact... And his legacy and the man, I mean, I talked to Letty Drizel like a hundred times. Even in the last few years, he would still come on with us for all sorts of reasons. And I cherished all of those conversations. I loved them. Uh, I would see Letty Drizel for a few years at events. And 
I, I did God, what was I did an event that he was involved with, and now I can't remember what it was, and it was it was awesome. It was it was a joy, but you know I can't speak about. I was a year old when they won the ACC tournament in 1984, facing David Thompson and those teams. I can't speak specifically to it, so we're gonna ask, you know, his former players to help me out with that. As far as his legacy, his legacy is the legend. I I worry almost the legend in, of Lefty Drizel drowns out Lefty Drizel the coach and his actual accomplishments. I worry that we spend too much time talking about Lefty Drizel the personality. We spend too much time um, talking about the stories of Lefty Drizel, and we forget. By the way, it's it's a damn miracle what he did at the University of Maryland from where they were as a program to where what they ultimately became. And the foundation that was laid, and yes, there was a lot of awkwardness in the aftermath of Len Bias's passing, and then the Bob Wade era, and the sanctions. So it, it, it didn't go from one to the next. Like, Lefty Drizel left in 86. It still wasn't until 15 years later that Maryland would win a national championship. But to be clear, the foundation was laid. Maryland was not, despite what you would think of of all the talent here. Maryland was not a basketball powerhouse. The the words that are always attached to Lefty Drizel were they were going to become the UCLA of the East. And, and clearly that didn't happen under Lefty Drizel and never really happened because the standard, what you were talking about, UCLA was winning championship after championship after championship. Maryland never became that. But they broke through and became a basketball power at least for a time. And I don't think we give credit to how difficult that is. This is not a sport that like welcomes... The more things change, the more they stay the same in college basketball. Overwhelmingly, it's the same handful of programs. North Carolina, Kansas, Kentucky, Duke. Obviously, you know there are a few Michigan State, Arizona... Indiana's fallen by the wayside. UCLA, for the most part, I mean, they've they've had a few years recently where they've been relevant again. But to break into that echelon, Louisville's in that group, is not in. It's not just that it's not an easy thing to do. It's almost not allowed. I guess UConn now we have to recognize is in that camp. Villanova. So it is miraculous what happened. And as much as we talk about Lefty in this draw and we talk about how he would... One of the things that I love the most about Lefty is how uninterested he was in talking about himself. Uh, You almost could never bring it out of him to talk about himself. Every opportunity he had, he genuflected towards his players. Every single time. It was never about him. And in a way, as an interviewer, that can almost be annoying, right? Like you, You're like, okay, we get it. You like your players. But with Lefty, it always came off in a more genuine way than that. Like, it wasn't, I see what you're trying to do. I'm going to spin and, and force the topic back a certain way. It was very, like, in part, part perhaps because, you know, his, his southern nature... Oh, you know, I 
it just always, always, always came back to his players. Always. He never allowed the conversation to be about himself. Never allowed it to be about, you know, woe is me and, you know, how difficult things were for him. Which isn't to say that he didn't, he wasn't combative at times. Famously, I was reminded, um, I was reminded over the weekend about uh, reporters that would get after him about certain guys that he would miss, right? Like, why didn't you... There was a story this weekend, John Feinstein would get after him, like, why didn't you get Muggsy Bogues? He'd be like, well, I mean, it's not like we didn't take... We got Ernie Graham, we got Baltimore kids. Of course, that was such a legendary era of Baltimore basketball that there was the hope that Maryland would land all of them. And, of course, we all know that Reggie Williams, David Wingate went on to do great things at Georgetown. Uh, John, as you point out, and I brought it up on uh, 105.7 The Fan this morning, part of the difficulty of measuring Lefty Drizel, and, and you would say, hey, never really made Maryland the UCLA of the East. Well, part of it also you have to keep in mind, when Maryland ultimately won a national championship in 2001, the 2002 tournament, that, that team, um, it if they had played under the rules that Lefty Drizel had played under, they would have never even been in that tournament. Because at the time, if you didn't win the ACC championship, you didn't get into the NCAA tournament. It was not an era of 68 or even 64 teams. As um, Len Elmore reminded us this morning, you could be the number three team in the country and not be in the NCAA tournament. In fact, there was a time in which the NIT was considered almost as significant as the NCAA tournament because of the strength of the field. Um, you'd be the number one team in the country, and if you lose, you're not going to make the NCAA tournament. So as we reflect on Lefty Drizel, it's almost unfair to, to, to judge him by those standards because the rules were so different, but ultimately that's the nature of basketball, and that's the way that it works. Uh, a giant, a titan an overwhelming figure. It's 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 awful the way things ended at at Maryland for Lefty Drizel and thinking back on the tragedy that was Len Bias's passing and just how impossible it was for the program to reconcile in those moments and move forward. Lefty Drizel a titanic figure, a titanic figure within basketball, certainly at the University of Maryland. We're going to talk about him throughout the course of the morning here on GCR. Um, real quick, just want to remind everybody that if you're looking for anything related to news about high school sports here in this area, the place to find it is at County Sports Zone. Talking about scores, schedules, standings, all of it. Getting close to the postseason in winter sports. Some already in the postseason. Found it at countysportszone.com, which is proudly sponsored by Toyota. All right. Um, really appreciate uh, that Tom McMillan has been willing to spend some time with us this morning as we reflect on the life and legacy of the great lefty Drizel. Of course, we know not only Tom McMillan, a legendary player at the University of Maryland, but uh, after that accomplished maybe even greater things as a congressman and throughout the course of his life, and he is back with us here on GCR. Uh, Tom, it's Glenn in Baltimore. I wish it weren't under these circumstances, but appreciate you spending a couple of minutes with us. 
Well, it's, it's a pleasure to be with you, Glenn. Thanks, thanks for doing this. Um, Tom, I, I was saying a minute ago, and I, I have to admit, I am only 40 years old. Now, I've, I had myriad conversations with Lefty Drizel, but I don't know Lefty Drizel, the coach, because I couldn't know Lefty Drizel, the coach. So as much as we're going to talk about the man, I wonder if you could just give me your thoughts about who Lefty Drizel was as a basketball coach. Well, first of all, I had the pleasure of going down to see him two weeks ago. It was really a a gift going down memory lane with him. He was, you know, he was uh, feeble, but we had a wonderful two hours together. And, you know, as a coach, I'm not going to talk about him as a person for a minute, but as a coach, you know, coach was very innovative, very thorough, very detailed. A lot of people, you know, wrapped him and said he was just a great recruiter, but he he really was a terrific coach. He always had his teams well prepared. Um, he, you know, his practices were well organized. I just think back at him and, uh, you know, everything he did, he he was an innovator. He, he, he never stopped thinking about basketball. That was what's amazing about him is he was always looking for an edge. Uh, whether it's, you know, practicing at midnight to get ready for our UCLA game on the West Coast or to make us uh, ready for that time zone change, whatever it was, he was always thinking innovatively. Tom, you know, it's funny because I, one of the things that I think about with Lefty Drizel, and I was, I was chatting with your friend Len Elmore, and he said it was fundamentals. It was like he was a stickler from a basketball front about those types of things. There was no getting away from the fundamentals of playing basketball with Lefty. That's absolutely true. And, you know, Lefty was known for having sort of a a skill with big men. You know, he had Mike Malloy at Davidson, so he always kind of uh, thought about himself as a big man coach. So when when we had Lenny and myself, it was kind of perfect. You know, I could go play low and then Lenny could play high or we could reverse it. But Lefty was really back then. I mean, he, he was a very fundamental coach. He, he stressed, um, you know, I could, I just remember we would go through scenarios and every coach does this today, but Lefty did it back then where every conceivable scenario we would practice and we would have a, you know, a play for it. And uh, he doesn't get enough credit for his coaching acumen. He's, as I said, he's often regarded as a top recruiter, but he really was a great coach. So we go back to 1970, and we know, Tom McMillan, that you had the option to play anywhere that you wanted to. You were very highly sought out. At the time, Maryland basketball was not a powerhouse by any stretch of the imagination. Why? Why did you say, I want to be there and I want to be with this man as my coach? Um, there were three reasons. One is the lefty had just joined uh, Maryland the year before. My brother had played at Maryland with Gary Williams. Yep. Uh, my brother was in medical school, was very excited to have lefty there. So it was a familial connection. Uh, my father loved lefty, wanted me to see me play. He was ill. Uh, he, you know, I had initial, initially committed to Dean Smith in Carolina, and then I realized, you know, my father 
really wanted to see me play. And so that was a factor. And, you know, my father ended up passing away my senior year, but he saw so many of my Maryland games. And finally, I had been appointed by the president of the United States to the President's Council on Physical Fitness and Sports. I was the youngest presidential appointee ever. I, I think I still am today at 17 years old. And, you know, I thought the idea of being near Washington <clears throat> would be kind of fun for a college kid being able to go to the White House and occasionally meet the president. So there were a whole lot of factors in that, but Coach Giselle was right at the top of it. You never kind of left after that. <laughs> You're almost here forever from that point. Tom, I know. Uh, you know, so so the man left you, Drizel, because as you say, even just a couple of weeks ago, I, I, I man, every conversation that I ever had with Lefty was so warm, and it's not to say he wasn't ever combative. He certainly was combative with reporters, um, but it was always so warm and so genuine. The man, what what made Lefty Drizel Lefty Drizel as a man, Tom? He had tremendous empathy. Uh, you know, I remember when I was playing, it was in December, uh, my senior year, Lenny and I, were we had to stay in a hotel the night before a game, as before a Christmas tournament. And Lefty came into my room at four in the morning <laughs> to tell me my dad had died. And, you know, I mean, just the fact, and then he actually flew the team up to his funeral. I mean, Lefty had this deep empathy. And, you know, when Dean Smith was dying and had terrible dementia, Lefty called him literally every day, even though they were the bitterest of rivals. Mm. Lefty had this way about him. He had a very human side to him that you often didn't see with his pounding and his raging and all that. But he had a, he had a real strong dose of humanity. And uh, those who knew him and his players knew this. Saw, saw that quite frequently. And, you know, he could be he could be ornery and he could be superstitious. I mean, we'd go down to, uh, to Tobacco Road, and if we lost the game down there, we never stayed in that hotel again or in that <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> he would give us little cat mojos, little black cat mojos to give us good luck. He, he, he has this, you know, this sort of iconoclastic mix of, of talents and, and, and personality traits. He was, he, he could be tough as hell. He was an enorm- enormous salesman, superstitious, hardworking, family man, religious. He, he had such a, you know, he, he was very enigmatic in a lot of ways. Famously, of course, we, we all know that um, lefty hired George Raveling, who was the first black assistant coach in the ACC. I think the first black coach of any kind in the ACC I, I don't know how much you guys took that in at that time, obviously coming right in the aftermath of the civil rights movement in the United States, but how much did that matter to, to you and, and the way that you looked at Lefty Drizel? I think a lot of people know you, your politics, and you know how significant of a thinker you are. Um, how much did that type of stuff matter in the way that you looked at Lefty? You know, it's a, it's a great question because... Uh, you know, I remember coming to that game at College Park in 66 when Texas Western mm. beat Kentucky mm-hmm. at all black. And, you know, and Maryland was the first to integrate. So I, I saw that happening. Then you'd look south and you wouldn't see that. You'd see Charlie 
you know, Charlie Scott. By the way, Charlie Scott loves Lefty. Yep. And if Charlie Scott had gone to Davidson with Mike Malloy, Lefty would have won a couple of national titles. And the irony of that is he may never have come to Maryland. I mean, Lefty would have been at Davidson, a school of a thousand, would have won several national titles. He wouldn't have come to Maryland. I wouldn't have come to Maryland. I probably would have ended up at Carolina. So, I mean, the fact that uh, all those things are so interrelated, but it really fundamentally gets down to Lefty really stood up and he, he took Mike Malloy out to restaurants. And some of those were very segregated places in the South. And he never, never, he was the most colorblind uh, person I ever met. And he, you know, he brought George Raveling, uh, as our freshman coach, I mean, George had so much status. And the funny thing, we never knew that George had a copy of Martin Luther King's speech that he, that Martin Luther King gave him, you know, at that great rally in Washington. George never told us that. So uh, it was a, it was a fascinating group of people that Lefty assembled. His staff was first rate, Terry Holland. I mean, he had, he had some really outstanding people and, uh, you know, it was a thrill and privilege to play for him. Does does history do enough to reflect the greatness of Lefty Drizel, Tom? Like, you know, obviously he he did get into the Hall of Fame, of course, but I I, I feel like unfortunately sometimes we're reminded of well, he never won an NCAA championship, and we all know that the circumstances, of course, were far different um, at the time and for your teams as far as that tournament was concerned. Does history reflect favorably enough for the greatness of Lefty Drizel? Probably not, although I think that has evolved, the fact that he got in the Hall of Fame, and, you know, that was a travesty in its own right. I mean, as you know, back when our, my, my sophomore year, for example, there were 16 teams in the NIL and 25 in the National uh, Invitation Tournament yep. and 25 in the NCAA Tournament. And many of those 25 teams that got in the NCAA Tournament weren't very good. They were from very small conferences, and they got automatic bids. And so if you didn't win your conference, you didn't go on. So that, that year, we didn't win the conference, but we whizzed through the NIT, which really is equivalent to a national title. And then, then our senior year, we get kind of boxed out again because of North Carolina State. So mm-hmm. there is a lot of uh, – you know, there's a lot of things that could have gone differently for Coach Rizal. The Len Bias thing, of course, was the ultimate tragedy. Uh, you know, if you know Lefty, you know that he would he would not do anything that was untoward, and yet he got he got raked over the coals on that. And uh, you know, I'm glad I'm glad it all came back, and that he was able to be inducted in the Hall of Fame, and that his reputation has been restored, but it was really rough times for him for a few years. Tom, one of my favorite things about every conversation I ever had with Lefty Drizel was how difficult it was for me to get him to talk about himself in terms of being a coach, because every accomplishment, everything always turned into a genuflection back towards his players. Like it, it, and it wasn't, it it never came off fake. It never came off self-serving or, or anything like just, as genuine as it could be. And I wonder how quickly you recognize that and how meaningful it was to you that he was always so quick to say, I'm not the program. These players are the program. 
it's it's an amazing selflessness that he had. He he did that consistently, uh, and he you know he always it was never about him. It was always about the program. And the other thing that Westy did, which I don't think he gets credit for, he took personal responsibility to make sure that Cole Fieldhouse was filled to the brim, and yeah. it was. I mean, you know, he, he he was he made sure that that arena. And whatever he needed to do to make sure that uh, it was packed with fans, he took command of the whole program. And that, that's a whole other area that he doesn't get credit for is the fact that his salesmanship, his marketing reflected on the fact that, you know, Cole Fieldhouse was the mecca of basketball uh, when he was there in many places across the country. Yeah, it was, and um, obviously all of the success that Maryland has found, it never happens without that foundation that uh, left Drizel laid for this program. Uh, Tom McMillan, um, what a man, what a titan, and it's it's hearing your joy in speaking about Lefty Drizel gives me even greater joy. Um, I, I, my, my condolences to you, to everyone who love Coach. Truly appreciate you spending the time with us to reflect on the life of such a legend. And thank you for honoring him. I appreciate it very much. Great Tom McMillan with us here on GCR. You know, that's 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 what should be said about Lefty Drizel. Um, I, I, I'm telling you, man, like every time you'd talk, you'd almost get, like just hearing somebody's voice would do something for you, and just hearing Lefty's voice would do something for me. Just as soon as you'd hear the draw, as soon as you'd hear him say, Leonard. Like, I just, all of it. Oh, I loved it. Loved, uh, and I, I did love uh, John reminding me. Um, he hated the Carolina schools more than we did. And he certainly did. And um, famously, after the 84 championship at the ACC tournament title, um, what he said, he's going to strap the trophy back to carry it back. I mean, he was so hellbent on dragging one of those things out of there, out of that uh, state. So. Thank you to Tom McMillan, obviously a remarkable man himself, and uh, appreciate him spending the time with us this morning here on GCR. All right. Um, today's show is brought to you by, ooh, how about this one's going to be brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. Never a bad time to be at Live Casino and Hotel, Griffin. Absolutely, because Sports and Social at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland features an on-site FanDuel location, and it is your ultimate spot to watch uh, the the great the best the best sports going on in college basketball obviously March Madness coming up uh, you can watch all those games on their massive 100 foot media wall so order up your favorite game day bites take a sip from the signature crushes and extensive beer selections all just steps away from the FanDuel sportsbook so watch wager and win at Sports and Social at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland Adirondack Mills must be 21 please play responsibly for help visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1 800 Gambler when we come back in we'll talk about some of the things that uh, other things that went on the things that maybe actually mattered a little bit in the world of sports, not the NBA All-Star Game this weekend. We'll do that next. Glenn Clark Radio. Hungry? With seven locations throughout Maryland, Glory Days Grill is always right around the corner. They have wings, burgers, salads, sandwiches, and drinks to satisfy everyone, as well as tons of televisions and sound delivered right to your phone. Glory Days is the best place to watch football or whatever your favorite sport is. While you're there, be sure to check out Goose Flights Lager, named in honor of legendary Raven Tony Goose Siragusa. $2 of every can is donated to the Goose Flights Foundation. Glory Days Grill. Great food, good sports. 
Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best and use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Jeremy Kahn here. The ultimate sports betting experience in Maryland is at the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbook. Join me at either location in Canton or in Towson and place your bets in person and be a part of the action. It's the best in-class sports wagering experience complete with the ultimate TV package, ensuring you can catch every game all day, every day. Their state-of-the-art facilities bring Las Vegas energy right here to Maryland just in time for postseason football. So visit the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbook in Canton and Towson and elevate your game day experience and hang out with me to bet, watch, and win at the Turtle. Coming back in here with Glenn and the other guy, uh, uh, Garrett, whatever his name is. You know who they are. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue along on a Monday edition of the program. Two pitching names that perhaps were interesting to Orioles fans. Different roles, different circumstances. Both off the board this morning. First, Liam Hendricks who, if you're like me and you have concerns about the bullpen that are now exacerbated by the fact that Tyler Wells is back in the rotation, then Liam Hendricks might have been an intriguing name to you. Obviously, a great story, of course. Liam Hendricks goes to Boston, two years, $10 million as he signs with the Red Sox. So as much as he was somebody that uh, you probably could have rooted for on a personal level, fortunately, that's all gone now. He's a Red Sox. Now he's the worst person in the world. Awful. It's a terrible human being, just the way that it works. And then um, I, I saw a bunch of people saying when the uh, Orioles acquired uh, Corbin Burns that maybe you go ahead and try to get Brandon Woodruff as well, and it's complicated because the belief is he probably won't pitch this season. But um, Brandon Woodruff, if he does, it'll be with the Milwaukee Brewers as they have re-signed him to a two-year deal, which it feels like it's more like a one-year deal for next year. It's just going ahead and getting that taken care of, but... We'll see. Perhaps he's ready. Look, even uh, I think I saw Felix Batista is not willing to say he's not going to pitch this year. And it's like, I, I still think that maybe there's a world in which I could be help, uh, helpful at the end of the year. Not likely. Almost 
seemingly impossible. But that's two names to scratch off the list. And not that either one of them were at the top of the list. It's just a reminder that the list gets smaller by the day of what outside help there could be for the Orioles in their pitching situation. Now, it's all complicated, right? Because if Cal Bradish doesn't require Tommy John surgery, if, remember we talked to Will Carroll last Friday, it's more of the scenario where gets the PRP injections, some rehab, and he can pitch and be Kyle Bradish, then it doesn't feel as dramatic. But most of us feel like we know the answer. Yeah, kind of aren't buying that thought process. And to say, well, hey, let it play out a little bit, I I hear you, but it's a reminder that the games in April matter too. Like, I always come back to this. Like, it's easy to say, hey, let it play out, and you can always deal with a deadline. You can. Nobody's saying you can't. And I understand that you need your team to be the be- as we learned a year ago, you need your team to be at its best in October, not at its best in May. But the games in April do matter. And the f- let's figure it out thing, some teams struggles early on in the year can ultimately be the story. And I get it. A year ago, the the Orioles weren't even struggling at the beginning of the year. It's just that the Rays were so good that it looked like it was impossible. And all of a sudden, the Rays have some pitching injuries, and look at what happens. I don't want to be the team that pushes everything to like having to worry about the trade deadline. It's surprising, not that they haven't dealt for Dylan Cease, I think we know the story there. The White Sox were asking for the moon, and so like do you think that the injury to Kyle Bradish is gonna suddenly make the White Sox say, Well, you know what? Actually we'll do we'll do a little bit less. If they were asking for the moon, now they're like, hey, the moon and also a right. couple of other stars. Like the desperation presumably makes the price go up. I know that uh, their GM Chris Getz said last week when he met with the reporters uh, that are at spring training in Arizona that he had not heard from the Orioles again after the news of the Kyle Bradish injury. But that could be a bunch of things. It could be that the Orioles already knew what the asking price was or they had already talked before and like us finding out about the Bradish injury wasn't them finding out about the Bradish injury. Like they, again, it's possible as we look back in hindsight that they knew about the Bradish injury when they made the Burns move. And it's totally plausible that they had been trying to figure out what the story was on Dylan Cease and that ultimately... They just decided Burns was the move they were making. But I'd be I'd be disappointed if they did nothing. And that's not to me saying it's got to be Lazardo, it's got to be Cease, or it's it's got to be Jordan Montgomery or Blake Snell. Like, I'm not saying that. I'm saying I'd be disappointed if they did nothing. If they just sat back and said, I, I, I'm going to qualify disappointed. I'll be disappointed because... The Burns acquisition gave us reason to believe that, like, hey, this ownership change really might be changing things. And that they, the next group, comes in and recognizes the opportunity that's immediately in front of them. That this isn't a long-term plan. This is a, like, let's go. The window is now. Corbin Burns is here for one year. He ain't here for a long time. He's here for a good time. Let's make it a hell of a time. And maybe Kyle Bradish can still be part of the solution. 
but between the questions about he and John Means, there's more than enough room to add another starting pitcher. Worst case scenario, you have one too many. Oh, God. (laughs) That would be horrible. Whatever would you do if you had one too many starting pitchers? How could you possibly solve that problem? Gee, gosh, golly, I, I just can't figure it out. Um, it's not the worst case scenario. Of course, the worst case scenario is that nobody works, and you don't, you still don't have enough starting pitchers. But like the, the you 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 can't make it a problem to go get another starting pitcher. But at the, at the least, even if you want to say, hey, we're still confident in the group of guys. We're still confident, even if there's no Bradish, even if there's no Means. We believe. Corbin Burns is an ace. Grayson Rodriguez is on the cusp of being an ace. And Tyler Wells, Dean Kramer, and I know it's tough for us to say the name Kohler. Like, Stan loves Cole Irvin. It's, it's, it's almost tough when, when he's in here because Stan was so bullish about Cole Irvin. Right. That like, he's like, you, oh, they're fine. You can't shake John it Kohler. with him. But even if they feel that way, right? Like, even if internally they're like, you guys don't understand – we figured out what happened with Cole Irvin last year, and we know it wouldn't happen again. Like, even if internally they thought that way. Okay, fine. Now let's talk about the bullpen. Like, that's the part where the totality of the picture is not complete enough for me in terms of trying to win a World Series. Which doesn't mean it's World Series or bust, but again, you traded for Corbin Burns. You did that. I would like to hope that you didn't do that because you think that's the difference in just being able to win the division and lose in the division series again. Like, I would think that you did that because that's the difference in taking a step forward. And if you're going to take a step forward, I think that the lowest rung, you recognize, hey, the bullpen looks questionable. Which isn't to say that, you know, Dylan Tate can't help and that there's maybe a new somebody that there. I, I want to say the uh, Daniel Ellentuck from the banner wrote about whoever you know, this could be the, this year's Yenir Cano. And I didn't even know who the person's name was. I was like, who is that? But in fairness, that's about what we felt about Yenir Cano. Oh, God, sorry. Um, Let's see here. Uh, Daniel Allen Tuck wrote about a pitcher named Wandison Charles. Oh yeah, okay. He Tell me a, all about well, Wandison Charles. He was Charles. in Norfolk last year. Sure. I believe he got called up from Bowie. I believe you. He's 27 <laughs> years old. Um. <laughs> I mean, the, but yeah, but yeah, like there's putting all your eggs in that. That's right. the basket. That's like that to me. Not, there's I. I'm not disappointed today because we're, it's not nearly time to be disappointed. But. I'd be disappointed if they get to the start of the season and they didn't add one more arm of some sort. And they are going to continue to come off the board. I don't know when Snell and Montgomery are going to ultimately sign. It's totally possible that at least one of them doesn't sign until the season begins. Like, if we know anything about Scott Boris, he's not going to be moved by, you know, look at the clock. You better come down off your demands. The season's about to start. Yeah, you're still going to need pitching once the season starts, too. 
but some of these other names, these names that don't cost that amount of money, the names that are more likely to be the names the Orioles are going to be involved in, they're likely to come off the board because more and more teams are going to say, all right, look, we're not doing Montgomery, but let's... Rich Hill it is. Yeah, let's throw something at Hyunjin Ryu and see if we can't I mean, get a lottery ticket there. I mean, and I'm not... Like I, I said, it's funny because in the aftermath of the news, I was talking with a friend, Tim Barbalace, and I was like, I think I'm opposed to that. I don't think I want the answer to be... Just pick up somebody? Yeah, like, I, think I'm a, to... I think I'm opposed to that being the answer. But the more I've thought about it since then, I if it's between, like if it's if the choice is that or nothing, then okay. I think I'd rather it be that, just for a strength in numbers argument. That it's it's more potential bullets that you have in your gun. And one of them's more likely to land. Like Yeah, it's it's a it's throw everything at the wall and see what sticks type of situation. Like if if you have the option of throwing eight things at the wall or nine things at the wall in hopes that it might stick, math tells me nine is a better chance, even if it's slight. So if that's what it's going to be versus nothing, I'd prefer that. But, you know, I'd rather them do the Lazardo thing. Again, i got to know more about what else besides Basayo is in the trade. It's easy for me to say, like, I'm okay with Basayo in a Lazardo deal until somebody turns around and says, oh, and by the way, they also wanted uh, Mayo, the hometown boy. Well, like, okay, now we're having a different conversation. But if it's Basayo and, yeah, you know, whoever, we could even talk about Kerstad. It, that'd be tough, but Lazardo's got three years, right? At least two. It was at least, I don't remember if it's two or three. Cease is three, and so these things all run together. I can't remember if it's two or three for Lazardo. If it's three, we talk. Might even be for two, I'd be willing to. That's a, um, that's a yeah, he is an unrestricted free agent in 2027. So this year, 25 and 26. Yeah, so he's got three years of control. I might be willing to talk about a Basayo Kerstad package. It's, it's tough. I mean, it's tough to say that. But if you're holding on to Kobe Mayo and counting on that to be your big power bat moving forward, then I'm not trying to say I want to get rid of I, This is difficult. Yeah. It's difficult because... If, Mayo's a right-handed bat, right? He's Yes. 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 I wonder how much that matters. Like, how much that ma- how much that should matter. It's a fair... You know, it's based on the the wall. I understand exactly what you're asking is how do you view everyone now and how does that impact them? So do you say... Do you say, well, I'd actually be more inclined to trade away right-handed bats and to continue to... Make it work with Kerstad. Or right, because right. he's a left-handed bat, and it's more favorable right now for Camden Yards. He is a right left- man. Yeah, Mayo's a right-handed. I, I hear that. I hear that argument. It, there's there's not nothing there. All right, nope, won't do it. Not trading Kerstad. <laughs> Basayo and... And... <laughs> Norby. Done, right? Look, man, I don't know. I don't know. Today's show brought to you by Superbook, superbook.com. Download the Superbook app. Use the code Clark 23 When you sign up, you'll receive up to $250 in a same-day first bet match, win or lose, from our friends at Superbook. Tonight, Coppin, six points, dogs on the road at UMES at Superbook. Again, superbook.com or download the Superbook app. By the way, what the hell happened to Towson on Saturday? Just when um, I was starting to feel good again. Yeah, it might be the worst loss in the last three seasons, probably. Awful. I mean, I mean, all putrid. Just cannot trying to get people fired up for big games at home this week and get a big crowd out on Saturday for a 
what, are we shaping up to be a massive game? And ugh, just a wretched loss down at Hampton. I, of course, have nothing to say about Maryland. What would I possibly say? It, it's comical the way that like the Illinois players were celebrating that win. Not because you don't... I, Illinois, for whatever reason, has been terrible against Maryland. So I certainly get why they were like feeling the pressure of like why do we always lose to Maryland? But my God, to be like trolling a team, that's just not good. Like that was your Super Bowl? Eh, it's way over the top. Way over the top. So that's what it is. I, I everybody kept talking about how like if well if Maryland had won, that could have been no, there wasn't a path even with them beating Illinois. It was that and not lose another like you, you know like when the games start mattering basically it would buy you maybe if you lost the big 10 championship game that you would have a chance maybe we were so drastically yeah. this is what happens when you get to this point when a team's not on the when the team doesn't have a chance it's tough because the games are still being played and so you're like well i mean like yeah you're they, trying to come up with a way to don't suggest, lose again you like, don't want it to be that what you're doing is irrelevant so you try to well, you know, this could give them that quad one, another quad one win, right? And with that, they'd have what? Another, yeah, like that and a nickel. You got a nickel. So, no offense. I mean, I I get it. It's tough when when that's your job. To, to what are they at Wisconsin tomorrow? Is that tomorrow? I think turn it is tomorrow. Wisconsin has not been playing well. No, they have definitely not been <laughs> playing well. How about Ohio State firing their coach and then beating Purdue? That's interesting. I know. I was very that shocked. Was, by that, that was very interesting. Uh, as far as the uh, oh Nelson Aguilar, obviously the Ravens yes. bring him back for one year. Which and a couple people feels reach- really good. Like feels really good to. Well, it's weird. It's weird. Is- I had I had a couple people reach out this weekend about like what it might mean for other Ravens wide receivers. I don't think it. I don't think you make a decision about Nelson Aguilar having anything at all to do with. Oh, Zay Flowers. Yeah, I didn't see that. Either. Now, the Odell Beckham side of the conversation, I think, is more interesting. Like, is it more, if they know Odell Beckham's gone, does it make it more of a priority for them to get something done with Nelson Aguilar to make sure they have that veteran, the guy that's been there as part of the group? Maybe. I can't say that that's the answer, but I can't be dismissive of that either. I can't pretend like there's no chance there's something there. Um, our friend Cordell Woodland and Rita was hammering this home that like, well, you still need to improve this group. Even if Zay is back, even if Bateman's back, like you still need to improve. Well, Bateman's going to be back. You still need to improve this group. And I'm in a weird place of necessity versus luxury there. Like, there's a part of me that would love that. I guess the 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 reporting today, Jordan Schultz says it does appear like apparently. The Buccaneers had a soft deadline of today to do something with Mike Evans or move on. Mm. Which I, I don't really get that either. Like, well, why couldn't it be tomorrow? Right. Well, Liam Hendricks said that on Friday too, so like okay. he signed today. So it was three days later. <laughs> so So it was the real deadline Thursday. I I don't know. But am I a p- am I telling you I wouldn't sign Mike Evans? Absolutely not. I'd love Mike Evans. Like but- I would I'd love a lot of things. Rather have Mike Evans, I guess, right? Than what? Than Odell. Is well, yeah, what? but it's yeah. not going to be a trade-off in months. I mean, like, that's not an yeah. even trade. Mike Evans is still very much at the prime of his game despite being at an advanced age. Um, 
I'm I'd love to have my I'd love to upgrade. That'd be awesome. But is it a necessity? Is it a you can't win a Super Bowl unless you do? I mean, it's such a difficult thing to talk about because of the unknown of the Zay Flowers situation, right? Like, if that didn't exist, I don't think I would feel that way. Given the possibility of there still being something when it comes to Zay Flowers, I I could certainly see why you would say, hey, we we need to make sure we upgrade in case. Like, what if... What if we learn more and it's not good and they have no choice down the road but to, you know, release Zay Flower or something like that? I'll listen to that argument. But alone, if it was this group, I'd still be inclined to try to talk to Odell Beckham. I'm not just being dismissive of Odell Beckham at all. It can't be for the same money as it was last year, obviously. But... You're hoping that he was happy here and that playing with Lamar was a big deal to him and you could do something with incentives, something along those lines, although you know, if money's what he cares about, he probably wouldn't feel good about his chances of hitting certain incentives. I'm, I'm not dismissive of Odell Beckham. I think there are some people that think the Ravens should be dismissive of Odell Beckham because they need to force Lamar to fix the thing with Rashad Bateman. Like, dude, you've got to get on the same page with Rashad Bateman. He's open. You're not looking at him. You're you're not giving him the shots that you should be giving him. And so I think there are people that would say you almost have to move on to from Odell Beckham. They have to decide the fifth year on Bateman, right? They have, and but they have to decide that before the season, right? What when so, when do they have to decide if they're picking? That I don't up? remember what the deadline is for that. But you're that's that's for the following year. That's not going to impact whether he's here this year. Yeah. Those are two different conversations. I would be inclined still to talk to Odell Beckham. I I love the idea of upgrading at wide receiver. And the Zay Flowers thing certainly complicates it. But on paper to me, that's a luxury, not a necessity. I don't think that's the difference in them winning a Super Bowl necessarily. I I think they've got other things they've got to figure out. I mean, they've got to figure out that they don't have an edge rush at the moment. They don't have it. They at least have a foundation of a couple of guys. Maybe, you know, again, it's so tough to talk about receiver because there's this just giant unknown when it comes to Zay Flowers. But, like, B- Bateman's there. If Flowers is there, Aguilar, you can work with that and, and you add. You have Andrews and Likely. Yeah, like, you can work with that. Oh, yeah, that's and that's a huge part of it. That's a right, very fair right. point. That's a huge part of it. At Edge Rush, you have zip today. Today, nothing. Adafi Owe had some moments last year, but you have no faith in that. It's not consistent enough for you to count on it. Maybe David Ajabo become a player, but you have zero right now that tells you that David Ajabo's a quality NFL edge rusher. And the two guys that worked last year aren't under contract. So, like, that to me is a necessity. Upgrading at receiver, luxury. Be awesome. It'd be great, but right now, again, I can only say it so many times. I, I got to figure out something to do with the Zay Flowers thing because, like, that is part of the equation, and we're gonna have to keep saying over and over and over and over again. Because to be fair, if tomorrow Zay Flowers were removed from the equation, then it would become a necessity as well. That's the tricky part about having that that conversation. By the way, the fifth year option uh, last year they had to pick it up like 
the day after the draft they had to decide. Okay, that's so, that sounds yeah. right. That sounds so familiar. About the timeline. Yeah. And it's a complicated conversation, man. It is. I don't think it's as easy as I think a lot of people just say, "Well, no, you decline the option right now." I I think that was easy to say with Patrick Queen because you had made the commitment to Roquan Smith because you kind of knew like there's going to be a limit to how much money we spend at this position. You don't have a ton of sunk money. Now, let's just say you go out and you get Mike Evans, then that might lead to you saying, we're not going to pick up the fifth-year option yeah. on Rashad Bateman. So I, I don't think it's as easy a call as it was. I, I, by the way, I didn't think Patrick Queen was easy either. But even Dante if Owe as well also have to decide on him as well. So, Man. The idea of taking a guy in the first round is that you get the favorable fifth year. Like, that's the point of taking somebody in the first round. And now you're not taking advantage of any of these favorable yeah. fifth years. It's a very, very weird thing. All right. Um, today's show also brought to you by Goose Flights, available all over town. Goose Flight available in Cannes. Right now at the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbook in Canton, as well as Alonzo's on Cold Spring Lane in Roland Park. Also available at any of the Maryland area Glory Days Grill locations in Cannes. Cans and six-packs are available at the Costa Sin and Dundalk, Guilford Hall Brewery and Station North. Six-packs and cases at the Wine Source in Hamden. Delicious beer, perfect collector's can, and $198 from every can sold goes to the Goose Flights Foundation and the work they're doing to continue Tony's legacy by providing non-emergency medical transport for those in need. Find out more at pressboxonline.com slash gooseflights and go get your goose flights today. We'll continue to remember the great lefty Drizel. John Lucas joins us next. This is Glenn Clark Radio. Hey, it's Jeremy Kahn. This postseason, bet in person at the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbooks with locations in Canton and in Towson and enjoy the best in-class sports wagering experience at their state-of-the-art facilities, bringing an unmatched sports betting thrill. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Discover your next favorite beer crafted in the heart of Charm City. At Guilford Hall Brewery, we believe beer should be flavorful and easy to enjoy. Our meticulously crafted lagers and ales are derived from centuries-old European brewing traditions, a staple for both the seasoned beer aficionado or a novice hophead. Experience beer styles that dare to showcase the exceptionality of simplicity. Visit our restaurant and brewery at 1611 Guilford Avenue or view our menu and tap map online at guilfordhall.com guilford hall brewery european tradition baltimore charm make the most out of every day in your toyota rav4 available in hybrid or gas only models a rav4 can get you where you want to go in style check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new rav4s from your local toyota dealer today there's so much focus on sports betting these days but i want to talk about an area that nobody wants to gamble on where you choose to go out and spend your hard-earned dollars to eat the Costas Inn is no gamble at all. The quality on their menu is outstanding, and the value is off the charts with a great and varied list of special 
specials Monday through Friday. And the staples of the menu, whether it's salads, burgers, fish, they're all fantastic. And I haven't even mentioned the crabs or crab cakes yet. So check out the menu for yourself at CostasIn.com. When choosing a place to dine, never gamble on the food you put in your belly. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard or call 410-477-1975 for reservations and your steam crab orders. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria? A.J. Michaels, heating and air conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. Hungry? With seven locations throughout Maryland, Glory Days Grill is always right around the corner. They have wings, burgers, salads, sandwiches, and drinks to satisfy everyone, as well as tons of televisions and sound delivered right to your phone. Glory Days is the best place to watch football or whatever your favorite sport is. While you're there, be sure to check out Goose Flights Lager, named in honor of legendary Raven Tony Goose Siragusa. $2 of every can is donated to the Goose Flights Foundation. Glory Days Grill. Great food, good sports. One of the things that's definitely wrong with this country is that this dude still has a job somehow, some way. Glenn Clark. Back in here in GCR as we continue along on a Monday edition of the program. Coming later this week, a new print issue of Pressbox will be available starting on Wednesday. It's about the promise of spring and a look to how the Orioles can take the next steps forward here in 2024. Um, a bunch of birds on the cover. Looking forward to bringing that to you. The new print issue of Press Box hit stands on Wednesday. I was thumbing through it uh, over the weekend and very excited about getting it out there for everybody. Uh, of course, you'll be able to read it as well at PressBoxOnline.com. From uh, Roger. Roger says, the issue that I have, why, why do you guys care about the NBA? I'm convinced of this. This is the ESPN like ization of the. It's okay. Watch. You know what I watched this weekend? I watched Maryland baseball. I watched p- at least part of all three games that Maryland baseball played this weekend. Enjoyed it a great deal. Was reminded that a lot of their game is going to be on Big Ten Network Plus the rest of the season, and I'm going to miss those because I am not going to subscribe to Big Ten Network Plus, which is a bummer. Hopefully, there'll be enough on uh, linear Big Ten Network and. You know, I'll try to get to the games they play locally. Find something you enjoy. I I just gotta feel like I'm doing therapy for a second here. You don't just have to watch the thing. You when you guys complain about the Stephen A. Smith show, the Skip Bayless show, whatever it is, I mean this sincerely. You don't have to watch it. No one is forcing you to. There will not be a test later. Did you watch the Stephen A. Smith show? Wow, you're not allowed to be a sports fan anymore. You're out. We're taking ESPN away. This is not a thing. I'll never understand complaining about the All-Star game. Well, you know, guys just used to care a little bit more. Okay, they don't. Guys didn't get paid the same amount of money in the past. 
have zero interest in risking injury because there's an awful lot of money to be made. There's a million reasons. This thing where you're like, oh, it's pride. Well, not every game was on television in the past. In the past, this is your opportunity to get noticed on TV. Make yourself more valuable as a brand. All of these things. A lot of things were different than they are today. A lot of them. You can complain about that if if that gives you joy. Or just find something else. Six o'clock last night, I looked at my ESPN Plus. I saw that the Coyotes were playing the Avalanche. I'm a Phoenix Coyotes fan. Arizona Coyotes now. Let me make sure I say that right. When I was there, they were the Phoenix Coyotes. I was like, man, I haven't watched a hockey game all season. That'll be neat. I'll I'll watch that. And when that was over, I watched an episode of Life and Beth with Towson's Amy Schumer. I wouldn't say I enjoy that show, but it's pleasant enough. So I, Michael Sarah's quirky and, you know, who doesn't like quirky Michael Sarah? Just, you don't have to watch these things. It's okay. Life will go on. I promise you, no one is forcing you to do this. Unless there's something I'm missing. Unless you're like, actually, there was a, there was an armed man outside my house who said, I have to watch the All-Star game or else I'm, he's going to shoot. Short of that, the answer is you don't have to. So I'll never understand complaining about it. Dan, never understand that. Just do, some, do something else with your time. Not a sermon, just a thought. All right, we continue this morning here on GCR to uh, celebrate the life and legacy of the great lefty Drizel who passed away over the weekend. And joining us now, another man who was um, among the first great players of the, the Lefty Drizel era at the University of Maryland. He, of course, is the great John Lucas, and he's with us now here on GCR. John, it's Glenn in Baltimore. Wish it weren't under these circumstances, but appreciate you taking a few minutes for us this morning. Thank you so much, Glenn. It's good to be on. I talked to the family uh, two weeks ago when the coach was struggling and uh, – we thought he was going to come out of it at the time, but but he wasn't able to, and um, so prayers to him and his family. Well, uh, John, and I, I'm going to call you coach, too, of course, because we associate you as being a coach, obviously, John. Yeah. But, um, I, can you take me back, right? Like, you, obviously, there had been a little bit of a foundation laid in the early years of Lefty by the time you decided to go to the University of Maryland, but... What what did you know about Lefty? Why were you? Well, you in, know, yeah, you, go ahead. You, you know, coach never saw me play. Huh? Coach, uh, you know, at that time, I think Mo Howard was the player of the year in Philly, and coach went to Duke University, and I'm from Durham, North yep. Carolina, and our athletic director of our basketball program it really talked to me about Coach Giselle, but I'd already known Coach because people don't really realize how what impact Coach Giselle had on college basketball. He was the first coach to integrate uh, the South in basketball by a guy by the name of Mike Malloy who played at Davidson University yeah. and the next year came Charlie Scott at North Carolina. 
So I had known Coach, and then that admiration to play for him and all he had done was one of the reasons I wanted to play for him. And then because I was an All-American in two sports in Maryland, I asked him before I went, I said, you know, I like to play tennis, and I'm a tennis player. He said, son, I could care less if you could play tennis as long as you can play basketball. <laughs> and he said, I was this the minute. And when he recruited me, he came right in the house. My father was a high school professor. My mother was the, my junior high school person. He came right in the house, walked into the, in the in the kitchen and got him a soda and sat down and was telling me about all the opportunities of how he wanted to make mile in the UCLA of the East. And uh, from that point on, I was sold to play for him. And the first time he saw me play was after summer school against a guy who just passed away by the name of Walter Davis. Yeah. And, and I had what, 51 points in that state high school game against him. And that's when he told me I was going to play a lot then. And Howard, I had to have surgery, Howard White. And then that was my opportunity as the first freshman to start in college basketball was because of coach. And people sometimes forget March uh, Midnight Madness. Yep. And then that they played hell to the Chiefs when he walked out. And the V sign, he, he of course. Really, yeah, yeah, yeah. He really built basketball. He was, he was, uh, coach was different. He was innovative, creative, and people really don't remember. We actually had Moses sign to go to yep, Marlin yep. for one day. He was, he was my <laughs> roommate for one day. And coach pulled that off. And so every year, coach had always, he was one of the very, very best recruiters. And then, I was there when his wife, George, passed. And I talked to Coach Baby twice. He, Coach, is really responsible for my youngest son being at Duke now. Wow. My youngest son is an associate. And he and Mike Krzyzewski were best of friends. And when they went outside their brotherhood to hire, Coach Giselle had a big part to do with that with with Mike. I had no idea. That's incredible. That he he went to bat uh to step up and ask Mike for to to, to give him the opportunity. Yeah. Well, you know, coach was I didn't realize coach went to Mike. Yep. And coach was born on December the 25th and he was named his middle name is Grace. <laughs> man, man. I you know, boy, this is by the way, what you just said right there, John Lucas, you just gave me a basketball history lesson that I will enjoy for a long time. And every name that you just rattled off, I, I could listen to that forever. But let, let well, me. Well, you know, he also hired George Rouse. Of course, yep. As the, the first black coach in the conference. And I, and I didn't know about much because Marlon was up north and my ACC time was everywhere. And then I remember, I think you may be, you may remember, remember before. South Carolina left the ACC and they had the big fight. <laughs> oh, and there was like the the thirty-one to thirty game. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, they had the big fight, and, and supposedly coach got hit. Well, Tom Owens, who played on that team, played with me in the league, and he, boy, he he loves those stories about coach himself. Coach Coach was was one of the best. And was a very – he threw me out of practice one day because I got smart in practice because every time we play uh, North Carolina, we would always go to this 2-3 zone to combat uh, their four corners. <laughs> and I said, gather – he told me, gather the fuck on out the gym. Put me out the gym that day before that game. 
John Lucas. He's one of a kind. So, John, you know, you reference obviously, you know, uh, George Raveling and Mike Malloy and Charlie Scott. I, it it sounds in, it's it's important, right? Like I think it's 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 hard now for people to look back on those years in the aftermath of the civil rights movement in this country, and I don't want to suggest that Lefty Drizel was the hero of the civil rights movement. But it, 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 the meaning of that and how significant he, he, it was. He, he, he impacted the, the civil rights for the South yeah. in basketball because it was just unheard of. And then he recruited Mike Malloy. And then came Charlie Scott and then Bill Chamberlain into the ACC. And then, you know, Co- Coach was very innovative in what he was doing with those things. But as far as giving um, black coaches and black opportunities, you remember how a white finished playing yep. and became a coach for us. Yep. And of course, uh, went on, on the front of the bench, on the front of the bench coach coming right out of college. And went on to And have then he a... also hired me. He hired me to be an assistant coach one summer to try to get Ralph Sampson to commit to go to Maryland. Because Coach had lost all his staff, and so he hired me because I was working out there, and my assignment was to go try to get Ralph Sampson. Well, what happened there, John? Why didn't no, – no, we'll save that. We'll save that. No, no, we, we, were, we were so late in getting <laughs> in on the process. And then, you know, Terry Holland, yeah. who coached at Virginia, had played yep. for Coach at Davidson. So – John, I by, again, uh, this history lesson is incredible. I, I, if I could, let me go back to coach because every conversation, I, I was talking earlier today that just like there's something about Lefty's voice that you would just hear it and it would bring you joy, right? Like the draw, the way that he would say Leonard, like was he as genuine as as he was later in life and the guy that we got to know publicly, was he as genuine as a coach, as a leader, when you were around him? Absolutely. On and off the court. How quickly? He was who, he, he was who you saw all the time. Coach, coach was, and that's why I think he had such an impact on Marlon, Marlon basketball being that he was a personality that was who he said he was, he was. I mean, you know, we had we, he, you know, he's the one that started having the camps in the summer and having all the college, best college players come to camp and yeah. work them yeah. and have pickup games. Coach just was just ahead of his time with things he did, and one of the big fights me and him had was I said, Coach, if you never get in the Hall of Fame, that, that doesn't judge or make who you are. You, you know, you you you're already a Hall of Fame coach. You know, and because, you know, some of the things that went on at Maryland at the time when um, the recruiting changed and we didn't get the players and some of the things that went on in the legacy with Lenny Bias and some other things kind of hurt him a little bit. But that's because, you know, anytime people stay in coaching at the same place for a long time and you don't win it all, people start looking at the faults. You know what I mean? Are the things that aren't successful. And he was always bigger than he went on to Georgia State and, yep. and put them in the tournament. Yep. He did all the things he was supposed to do and went forward. And then back at that stage, people don't realize how, um, because I became a victim of that, 
of the eighties of the drug infested league and and how things were the yeah. things began to change. So but coach came through it. He was a man of his word and truly a man of God. John Lucas with us here on GCR as we're remembering and celebrating the life to, of the great lefty Drizel. John, what, what he did, I, again, it's it's hard to think back for, for people that there was a time where Maryland basketball simply was not, you know, significant almost at all. But every ounce of success that Maryland ultimately found, is it fair to say that that doesn't happen without the foundation that lefty Drizel laid? I did. You know, it, it's tough now because, we're not in Coldfield House anymore. Sure. You know, so a lot of that legacy left with Coldfield House, right? Because that was a great place the, uh, uh, when um, Kentucky Western beat um, Kentucky. I mean, when Texas Western beat Kentucky at Coldfield House back then to win the championship, what Lefty did uh, and, and having the biggest arena in the ACC. And since we were up east, everybody – would always want to beat us in those red uniforms. And you remember Coach had everybody had their nicknames on the back of the uniform. Right. Remember H, that time yeah. he had yeah. H? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, he, you know, Coach was just the, the guy you love to hate, but the guy you love to play for. Does um, that make sense? I, you know, I, you, you, love, you love to give Marlon a hard time, but you were really giving him a hard time because you wanted them there. Well, it, and it really hurt when they left the ACC. For basketball, I understand why Maryland left, but it hurt the basketball, even in the ACC, because look what it, the ACC's had to do to go to a Super League yep. when they had the best. I just saw the documentary on the Big East. They're not even close to what an ACC had. That's very fair. John, I think the other yeah. thing, too, that I bring up is like the, it's funny because um, some of our listeners reminded me that what they love most about Lefty is how much he hated the, the Carolina schools, right? But yet... Well, there, you may he made me think him and Dean Smith weren't friends. Right, and I yet, wouldn't even talk to Dean Smith. They were best of friends. And I thought that him and Mike were those guys. Man, when we used to play there, that was all our war. <laughs> and it's wild how close those guys. You know, like it's wild. Yeah, they were really because close. he was hell bent, really and yet they were hey, so. So friendly. when Lefty got sick, guess who's there? Yeah, Coach Krzyzewski. Yep, Coach Mike Krzyzewski. Yeah, no, it's it's incredible. It's an incredible testament to the man and and the competitor. Like he was that competitive and that hell bent and that driven, and yet was still such a good person that um, they were the closest of friends, which is incredible. And powerful. I think I think one of the happiest moments for him was when Gary Williams won the national title, because that was what we were chasing yep. the whole time. And I think Gary's success in winning the championship there was a big part of coaching having that done. But like anything else, time waits for nobody. But if if and the it end... moves on, it's hard. It's hard for me to be upset. Like my father's 103, wow. and coach is 90, 92. He it's hard to be upset with that kind of life. No, oh, oh, a rich, incredible life. And and obviously, yeah. we, you guys would have won if there was a 64 team NCAA tournament back then. You guys would have won a national championship before then, right? You remember when Lefty broke that chair? Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. John Lucas, yeah. uh, how are you, sir? Let me just because it's been so long since we caught up. How, everything good in your world? Good. I'm in Houston, yeah, still with the Rockets, doing stuff in my. Youngest son is is coaching with Duke. He's associate head coach. Jai, right? Yeah. Oldest son is with the Phoenix Suns, 
and we're still basketball is our family business. I'm still in the youth development and big in the ACC AAU world and doing a whole lot trying to make kids better. Well, I, I, John Lucas, it's it's always a thrill to catch up with you. And again, I I wish we weren't thinking uh, in past tense when it comes to coach, but as you pointed well, you out, know, I got one last coach story. For you, you. Oh, I would love it. Okay, <laughs> so we had seven scrimmages my senior year, and I really wanted to leave school because um, I I didn't want to play a small forward because uh, Brad and Mo were going to be in the backcourt, and then it ended up with Mo and I being in the backcourt. And so for seven scrimmages, I averaged 50 points in the seven scrimmages. <laughs> so Coach so coach sent me out to scrimmage and told me we can't win that way. And so if you're either going to have to move the ball or uh, we're not going to be able to, to win that way. Because I thought, you know, it was my junior year, and because Lenny and Mack had left. Sure, sure. And I thought yeah. I was going to take on a more of a prominent role. So we can't win that way. And I remember, I remember my sister. My sister came to take me out of practice. And coach, 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 coach kept me in practice and set me out the whole scrimmage of that, that we couldn't. So I, I, I began to pass the ball and did what he told me to do. <laughs> Turn, you, and by the way, you, we, we, as we found out, you were a hell of a distributor, as we know. <laughs> and then the other story, since it's Black History Month, they're going to get mad at me for telling this story, but Don Brown used to wear braids. Okay. This was back in the late 70s, right? And coach said, no braids. He said, if you don't take your braids out, you're not going to play. So we were going to play in Brownie's hometown in Pittsburgh. And Darl's whole family was there, right behind the bench. And Darl didn't take his braids out. Darl didn't play one minute. <laughs> and from that point on, Lefty had no problem with Mac, Lenny, me, any of us. Say, we get it. If he ain't going to play Darl out there and we right. need his brownie, we get I know it. I ain't going to give this man no trouble. We get it. We're going we're gonna to listen in. <laughs> and the rest yeah. is history. John, it, yeah. it's 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 so it, again the joy that you're bringing me listening to these stories, um, and and the well, love. Well, good. You the joy that you had to tell me. And thanks for calling me. I wasn't gonna talk much about it, but when you all called me this morning, I felt that it was in my heart to speak about old coach. John, I, and and I mean this, the joy that I have hearing you and the love that you share for coach is really powerful, and I I really appreciate that. Thank you for spending the time with us, and let's talk again soon. All right. All right, we'll do, Glenn. Okay, bye-bye. John Lucas. Man, he brought it today. Incredible life. Incredible life. Like, that's the, you know, it's a testament to an amazing life lived and a group of people that loved him across all spectrums. Thought it was well said by, uh, early on the radio show, Len Elmore was on, and he was like, look, Coach, as much as he was, you know, forward thinking in integrating and, you know, what he was thinking about was winning basketball games. That's what he was thinking about. He wanted to win. And I, I, look, I don't want to end up going into a, an area that in like, like the, the world that people want, the post-racial world that people talk about, right? Like, I feel like that's the ideal. Like, that this this doesn't matter. I just want to, like, I, I want you to be you and me to be me and the whole, like, that's what I want. 
and you do your job, I'll do my job, the whole thing. That, that's the thing, and it's not, it's not realistic because we have still not fully reconciled our past and our history and our differences. We are still struggling with that. There's a group of people that are trying to force the concept of a post-racial world when, like, we're not there yet. We're Le- Lefty Drizel just died today and was the first person to hire a black coach in the ACC. We ain't there yet. It doesn't happen immediately. But the concept of, you know, the, the Martin Luther King, the judge someone by the, the content of the character, not the color of their skin, that's the concept that we're talking about. I, I want you to be you. Black, white, I, brown, whatever. I want you to be you. And I, I have great appreciation for the love that has been shown by everyone that played for... Look, man. It, somebody would say, hey, coaches always play... In a, you know, any coach plays a significant role in someone's life. And that's probably true. But... They're not always this beloved. And I can tell you that. Like I don't want to I don't want to be specific about it because it's probably unfair to certain people, but like I'll tell you that in the time that I've been around say Maryland football, Ralph Friedgen was beloved. Some of the other guys, they were coaches. Doesn't mean they're hated. Doesn't mean that when Years from now, when one of them passes away, that there won't be former players that say nice things about him, but they weren't beloved. Lefty was beloved. Beloved. An incredible life. Incredible, incredible life. All right, we come back in. Jeremy Kahn's going to join us. God knows what we're doing there. Ugh, that could be anything. By the way, how about our guy Josh Bynes? He's going to join the staff in Seattle. Oh. Josh Bynes wow. going to join Mike McDonald's Man. staff. Yeah, that's a bummer. Ravens West. It's a bummer for me. I love Josh, yeah. right? Like, and he's such a great guest, and he's such a good dude. And I was kind of hoping that he'd just, like, not get into coaching. So just and, talk to him every week. Right? <laughs> like, he would just be watching Ravens games. We could just call him and talk. It was nice that we could do that for a little while, but scratch that off the list. Josh Bynes is joining uh, Mike McDonald's staff um, out in uh, Seattle, so. Good for him. A tremendous human, <laughs> Super Bowl champion. Like I, 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 I don't want my disappointment of like, boy, God, we're not going to be able to. Yeah, right? Like there is that part of me that when I see that, I swear to God, I see that news pop up on my Twitter feed. I think it was Aaron Wilson who reported it first. My first reaction is like, damn it. <laughs> damn it. Uh, apparently he also had interviewed with the Ravens hmm. and with the Chargers. So then it makes you wonder why he took the Seahawks job. I don't know if it was a different job. I don't know. But he's going to be assistant linebackers coach for the Seahawks. Maybe just a relationship that he had specifically with Mike McDonald. I don't know. I'm not sure. Also, it'd be weird. He'd be. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever it is, he's going to Seattle. And that's a bummer for us. But, like, begrudgingly, I'm happy for Josh. Right. Great guy. It was not well said. I, that was very clunky on my part. No, I think the point got across. I hope. Hey, uh, a little bit different. Stan the Fan and Luke Jackson today are going to catch up with UMBC baseball coach Liam Bowen. I told you, I spent time watching college baseball this weekend. College baseball is great. 
it, I, I, you don't just have to watch the things that they talk about on Sports Center. Find things that you like. I, I, I watched a lot of lacrosse this weekend. Watched some of Maryland Syracuse. That was a thriller. Mm-hmm. Thriller. That one turned out to be. Fortunately, I, look, I'm happy for Hopkins, but Loyola, fourth quarter, not so great. Couldn't couldn't convert on the extra man. Good for Hopkins. A nice win for them. They uh, they're two and one now. I uh, I had UConn James Madison women's lacrosse on how did, Saturday. How did that one go? One goal game. Really? Stirring Ooh. rally. UConn was down like six in the fourth quarter. And they came back. Came back. Got wow. within a goal. Madison hung on. Okay. Um, I watched a lot of Stevenson lacrosse on Saturday night. Obviously, they open up the season with a win. Watch a lot of lacrosse this weekend because lacrosse gives me joy. It's highly competitive and not. Again, choosing to watch the All-Star game is your choice. That's on you. Life will go on if you don't. Remember my father when I was growing up, like, you're not going to stay up till midnight? He's like, nope, I tend to find that the new year comes whether I'm awake for it or not. I was always like, huh. And I couldn't believe it, right? I'm like, it, it's the new year. Got to make gotta, sure, though, each year. So. Right, like, you got you to gotta greet it, don't you? And he never, never was bothered by it. He never, was ever like, stayed... I, mean, I, I, I want to say, like, when I was young, maybe the first time I stayed up till midnight, he might have just for the sake of doing it. And then after that, he was just like, y'all, y'all enjoy your evening. I'm going to bed. Because that's what he wanted to do. It gave him joy to have that repetition. Find things that give you joy. Don't, don't bitching about something you don't like. Don't watch it. Okay. But then what are we going to talk about? Any, I have to complain about. I just about- talked about all of the sports that I watched this weekend. <laughs> Lots of them. UMBC's playing baseball. Liam Bowen's going on with Stan and, uh, and, and Luke later today, 4 o'clock. Check that out. Check out UMBC baseball, Towson baseball. There's plenty of things to do. The IAM championships were yesterday. McDonough, I think I heard, won the A conference. Good for them. That stuff is cool. Okay, all right, Jimmy Conn. He's joining us next. Uh, Facebook.com slash Pressbox Sports, 4 o'clock today. Stan, Luke, Liam Bowen. Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best and use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's so much focus on sports betting these days, but I want to talk about an area that nobody wants to gamble on. Where you choose to go out and spend your hard-earned dollars to eat. The Costas Inn is no gamble at all. The quality on their menu is outstanding and the value is off the charts with a great and varied list of specials Monday through Friday. And the staples of the menu, whether it's salads, burgers, fish, they're all fantastic. And I haven't even mentioned the crabs or crab cakes yet. So check out the menu for yourself at CostasInn.com. When choosing a place to dine, never gamble on the food you put in your belly. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard or call 410-477-1975 for reservations and your steam crab orders. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria? A.J. Michaels. Heating and air conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, AJMichaels.com. 
Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Discover your next favorite beer crafted in the heart of Charm City. At Guilford Hall Brewery, we believe beer should be flavorful and easy to enjoy. Our meticulously crafted lagers and ales are derived from centuries-old European brewing traditions, a staple for both the seasoned beer aficionado or a novice hophead. Experience beer styles that dare to showcase the exceptionality of simplicity. Visit our restaurant and brewery at 1611 Guilford Avenue or view our menu and tap map online at guilfordhall.com. Guilford Hall Brewery, European tradition, Baltimore charm. The latest edition of PressBox is available now, and it's our very special annual best of issue. On the cover, we celebrate Orioles manager Brandon Hyde as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, and the Orioles as our Team of the Year. With Stan the Fan Charles and Glenn Clark sitting down with Hyde to discuss his role in creating the culture that defined the Orioles' magic season. Also inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2023. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Terps, and O's at PressBoxOnline.com. Contrary to what some people believe, I actually like this guy when he sleeps. Glenn Clark, talking sports. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue along on a Monday edition of the program. Today's show also brought to you, or just a reminder, that uh, you can play Pick'em at CountySportsZone.com. You think you know high school basketball? You think you know who's going to win the games? You think you're some sort of expert, huh? Do you? Is that how you feel about yourself? Well, get over to CountySportsZone.com. Pick the winners, earn points, see where you stand on the leaderboard. It's at CountySportsZone.com, presented by your local Toyota dealers. Joining us now here on GCR, ConcreteLocks.com, Big Bad Morning Show, 105.7 The Fan, ambassador for our friends at the Green Turtle. He is Mr. Jeremy Kahn. What's going on, pal? How you doing? I'm good. I don't know that I'm supposed to be working today. I am uh, you know, president of Concrete Locks, and I'm also a member. Um, so I don't know that I'm actually supposed to be doing anything so, today. But so I, because it's you, I will. Thank you, and I appreciate that. Well, I had, I yeah. had to work for you today is the way that it happened. Oh, yeah. I had to go do that. <laughs> so this is, okay, I said this at the beginning of the show today. We all agree that President's Day is by far the worst of the holidays, right? It's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> if, if they came to you and said, you can have off President's Day, or you can have literally any other day during the year off. There's zero chance that anyone would take the President's Day off, right? I mean, why wouldn't you just take a random Monday in this February what, at some point? Like, like that's that's what you want to pick, right? This this <laughs> stinks. This is so <laughs> like at, at some point in the future when the NFL goes to 18 games, which is gonna happen, like then this will be Super Bowl weekend, and then it, it might make sense that people yeah. would take off on Monday. But short of that, the weather stinks. There's nothing to do. There's no, like, game. I think they're playing hockey all day long. So there's, like, that. that's what you get. There's not even – There's really good college basketball later, but I didn't need off because right, – that's, It's at know? night. Like, they used to do – I remember as a kid they would do, like, George Washington, James Madison on President's Day as, like, a bit, right? Like, they'd, oh, nice. they'd play that game. So at least you had something – to watch. they don't they barely do that like no one has seized president's day as like the day of making an event out of it it stinks there's no good food well, there's nothing 
Well, the only thing good out is the new uh, President Trump shoes, which I don't right. know if you, you saw the meme those. I just posted. Yeah. Oh, hang on. Which uh, it said, I put these on and went balling, but all I could do was draw charges. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's Very well done there. Good. Yeah. So you're telling me you didn't get a $400 pair, dollar pair of golden shoes? I'm, I'm so no, surprised. I, <laughs> I, thought, I thought that might be a play for you. They literally they were made in somebody's backyard with spray paint. <laughs> but so, so if you guys don't follow Jeremy, on, on particularly on Facebook, his existence is not all that dissimilar to like the existence of my wife, which is find meme, share meme. But yeah. what I, I'm actually interested in this because I saw you last week shared one kind of call and like I'll be flat out about it. I don't care if you don't like me for it. I do not I I the I am the idea of abortion being murder will never fly with me. I that's not it's not true. It's scientifically yeah. inaccurate. It's 100% it's, same thing for me. It's that's the way that I feel. And I saw you share one out last week that sort of went down that road and really? I was I was like, wow, because you have a I think a wider net of of yeah. audience than I do, and I knew and you knew there was going to be pushback to it, and you didn't care. So I am actually fascinated by like the choices that you make when you do stuff like that because you know that there are going to be people in your audience that are going to be like, oh, here's Jeremy again. Like, yet you do it anyway. So here's the weird thing about it because like I don't consider myself if we're going to go down the political path. I hated both and, and like both options we had. If you want to talk about Trump or Biden, I hated both. I can't stand Trump with a passion. And I think there's so many people that are fooled by this scam artist. But that being said, it's not like I can sit here and tell you this mumbling fool that just thought he talked to a ghost um, is the guy that should be running the country either. So like, I like to put stuff up. The weird thing is anytime I post something that's sort of Trump funny, anti-Trump, whatever, out of the woodworks, everybody loses their mind and just writing stuff like, Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Stick to sports. The stick to sports thing always pisses me off because I posted a Biden meme the next day uh, about uh, the puppeteer dropping the strings and it looked like he just shut down on stage. And uh, again, nobody, none of those people that told me to stick to sports on the Trump one came back and told me to stick to sports on this one. And I always have a problem with that. But like, you know, there's certain things I think we need to speak up for, man. And that's definitely one of them. Like the, the fact of telling women what they should do with their body, it's, yep. it's incredibly wrong. Yep. So, um, yeah, there are certain things where I try not to cross that. But then there's also times I wake up and choose violence and just want to see how people react. Um, <laughs> but that, I, I mean, honestly, that's what kind of gets me going sometimes. Like whether it's risque sexually, risque joke wise. Right. Or if it goes down, like the religious one is the one that always pisses people off because I had a really good religious one the other day. And I said, you know what? I think I've had enough interaction today. You're good. You're good. I don't need that another one. Yeah. I don't yeah. need another one today. No, I get it. I completely understand. All right. So I don't understand. Here's something I don't understand. People that bitch about the NBA all-star game. Uh, it stinks. Mm -hmm. We all know that. So like watch something else. I, I'll never in my life understand like this is the, it's the it's the lamest of Monday topics. It's the way we have saying that we have nothing that we think about is just to say, oh God, the NBA All Star Game stunk. I promise you, there's lots of other channels. Watch something else. Yeah, and I watched the thing in its entirety, and it was kind of funny. My wife stayed up and watched it with me the whole time. I'm watching. I'm going, this is really bad, but I had the over, so I felt great about it. Right. Um, yeah, it was good news and, for you. you know, like if I'm being truthful, that's that's 100. Like I'm sitting there waiting for it to hit the final number knowing they were going to hit it. Um, but, you know, you just still want to see that number come across the board. And then the, the other part of, I think, why it's getting uh, blown up a little bit more is that we have some of these veteran players that are now speaking out against these younger guys. Like, hey, 
we used to take this stuff seriously, man. It's not like we're not telling you you got to lock in and play 40 minutes and just be dialed in the entire time. But what happened to wanting to compete against other guys? Like I wanted to win all-star games that I played in. I, I wanted to show up the other team. And um, there's that competitive nature that's kind of gone with today's game. Like even Anthony Edwards said, this is just, hey, we look at this as a break. Like he said he was going to play the whole weekend left-handed. Um, so like, you know, I, I don't know what they do to fix it. If that's the issue for some people, I'll continue to watch knowing that it's not great, but I'm always gambling on it too. So that helps. But so that's obviously different for you. I'll never watch it. Like it, it just won't happen, but I don't watch any of the other ones. It's not unique to the NBA. I don't like non. You don't watch baseball. I don't watch baseball star game. I, I might watch the home run derby some years, but I don't watch the, and the same thing. I watched the three point contest on Saturday night, but I didn't watch the dunk. The dunk contest stinks. Um, mm-hmm. I watch the three-point contest, and I might watch the home run derby, but it it's the same reason I don't watch preseason. I I don't watch preseason football. I don't watch preseason. It's all anything. exhibition stuff. I don't. That's why. I don't like exhibition sports. I don't not watch like friendly soccer matches either. Like I, it's just not. It doesn't do it for me to just say it's actually going to be tested because I think I saw that Argentina is going to play a friendly in uh, D.C. and my son is obsessed with Leo Messi right now, so I might have to drag him down there for that. Um, but it's just not my thing, and that's okay. Like I, I can say that it's not my thing. I don't. I. I have how they fix the All Star game. They don't for me. For me, they don't. Um, I've always wondered if they could do something cool, like put together some sort of one on one tournament or two on two thing that would make guys interested and they'd want to be king of the mountain or whatever. Like I've always wondered if there was something cool they could do with that. But I, I get it. I understand well, what they feel, which is there's did no. Did you see the highlights from last night? I'm assuming you've seen some of those. I mean, only the things, only the things that were floating around um, Twitter. Okay. So, like in in last night's game, I think what was the number of how many threes they shot? Was it like 140 or something? It's probably about right. Um, they they shot an ungodly amount of threes. At one point, Luca took a three quarter court shot and said it was a two for one, and that's why he did it. Which technically it was, but it was still stupid. And then we've had, I, I think we had maybe eight mid-court shots taken in which Dame Lillard, I think, hit three of them. Um, you know, like there's been, there were some amazing things, some of the dunks. We saw Luca try to throw an alley-oop to himself and get hung on the rim. That was embarrassing. Um, but, like, ultimately when you're watching the game, it's just it, – I, I, you feel like we've got the greatest players in the world all in one place. Why don't they play like we want them to play against each other? And, you know, like that would be great, but – we never get that in the All-Star I, games. I think the, and, and I for think, people that say that, go ahead. I think the problem is that winning, it just, it, there's nothing there. So you won the All-Star game. Now what? Like, I think that's well, the issue. How do you, how do you convince these group of guys that the Eastern Conference winning the All-Star game matters or will be memorable? Or, I, I just think we're too realistic and too practical at this point to pretend like that's a thing any longer. Well, didn't we? We had Aaron Gordon try to dunk over Taco Fall. Yeah, um, I think it was Aaron Gordon. Yeah, and and then we we had right. a situation this Jaylen weekend Brown. where like Jalen Brown speaking up, telling, "Hey, why can't we get more superstars in here?" And then he tries to jump over a four foot tall right. guy Correct. sitting in a chair. Correct. And you know there was some some like some of the attempts were embarrassing. People were saying, "I'm not sure this Hawkins kid can even dunk." You know, like. Uh, Depending on how you feel about it, I do love that the NBA is constantly trying new things. I thought the um, Sabrina step thing was, was pretty neat. cool. I thought it was neat. Yeah. I, I think that they need to work on that and like how they can then go from there because at the end it was just one round. By the way, shooting. she was better than eighty percent of the guys too. So. She was she what she matched Lillard's score right? Like yeah. um, 
I, I thought it was cool, and I'm sure next year they're going to try to do Steph versus Caitlin Clark, right? Like, I think that might mm-hmm. be part of the reason why they did that this year is try to set up for doing Steph versus Caitlin Clark next year. And I, I'm good with that, and I think they should build – I'm for more ideas, but I just think that all Or they even talked about a 2v2, 3v3, and a three-point, like adding up all the threes that are made. You know, okay, yeah, like there's, yeah. there's cool stuff. Yeah, listen, but I just don't think you can make the all-star game. This is what it is. And, like, Jeremy, to your point, if you're a betting person, if you're into it, I get it. For me, there's there's just something else, and I'm I'm fine with that. And I, I am not bothered by it. I am not remotely offended by the fact that the all-star game isn't competitive because I'm good. There's other things I can do with my day. Um, you and I haven't talked since the uh, the bad news for the Orioles last week. Where are you with the need to add pitching help, given that I think we are all feeling the same fear about what this really means for Kyle Bradish? Yeah. Um, look, there's anytime I hear PRP, I don't feel great about it because in the history of hearing PRP injections, it ultimately becomes Tommy John. The only time that it didn't, I think, was an Adam Wainwright situation. And I could be off. There could be other ones. But to my knowledge, Adam Wainwright did it. And then the next year, he had to have Tommy John. So, um, yeah, that doesn't look good to me. I, I, I've heard other people say because he hasn't been throwing and the time off that there is a chance that this really could help him. But ultimately, if it's not, if it's not now, it's probably down the line at some point um, just from the things that I've seen in baseball. So, yeah, it concerns me. I, I don't think you have to make a knee-jerk reaction right now because you made the move for Burns. Um, you know, Burns, you felt like put you over the top and now it feels like you're, you know, you're making almost, um, I don't want to say a lateral move. You get a vet, a guy that's going to go deeper in the games that we've seen do this before. So, you know what he's capable of. Um, I still feel good about the Orioles and, and I do think, you know, the Lazardo rumors are out there. Yeah. Ultimately the White Sox want to make the move with the Orioles for in the Dylan Cease trade because they have the best prospects to get back. But right now they're just asking for way too much. Where were you? The, so the the report, obviously, from Miami with Lazardo was that they asked for Basayo and the Orioles balked. And I say this not knowing what the rest of the deal would be, right? Because it obviously wouldn't mm-hmm. be one-on-one Basayo for Lazardo. But I, I, there are people in in my world that are like, hey, Basayo's untouchable. He's going to be the number one prospect in baseball next year. And maybe he will. But I'll also, like Kylie McDaniel was talking to us last week and was like, I don't think Samuel Basayo is a catcher. I just don't. I don't think he's going to ultimately be able to continue to be a catcher. And so I wonder if we should be treating Basayo as being totally untouchable. And I'm not saying that you give up Basayo and Kerstad and, like, I, I would have to know what the totality of the deal was besides Basayo. But if Basayo was the one that made it untouchable to me, I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. So and it's here's my statement on it, and I've never seen Basayo play a full game. I've seen highlights. Right. I've read what a lot of other people have read, maybe a little bit more. Um, from the people I've talked to that are in the know, that he should be an untouchable, that they feel like he grades out like that. And now with the ability for DH, and, and again, does he need to be a great catcher? Could he be a guy that he and Adley are splitting time? Does one of them move to first base if you hold on to him? Um, you know, he's one of those guys that I don't want to move. But again, we can't be this team that's like um, the guy in, the, in your fantasy league that trades you as three worst players. And right. anytime you're trying to make a legitimate deal, he doesn't want to give up anybody of value. Like you ultimately have to look we, at we, it. We call that, that we like, call that the John Proctor in uh, fantasy yeah. football. That's what we call it. Oh, the three for one deal. Yeah, the, yeah, two of the guys you just yeah. picked up on uh, Saturday. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I like those. Um, but no. I also like when you get the message back telling you why this trade is good for you. 
Right. Hey, correct. this is really going to help correct. you out. I was looking yeah. over the league. This and guy I'm concerned about your team. Yeah. Right. <laughs> this guy. So, so I, I, I feel a little bit of that. I also, and I, it's, I'm in a fine line between. You acquired Corbin, Corbin Burns, and he's only going to be here for one year, so this is a really important year versus mm-hmm. – but I also don't think that, like, the window closes after this year, so I'm not trying to suggest that you go all in for this year and say it's this year or never. Like, I, I, I'm somewhere between those two things, but by by virtue of going and getting Burns, this year kind of has to matter. Like, you, you can't make that move and then say, but that's the only thing we're going to do, and, well, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, and – I. Like you decided that you decided to acquire a frontline pitcher that's only going to be here for one year. I would think that when you're dealing with other injuries, you would say to yourself, "Hey, we might need to go ahead and fortify this now." You know, well, perhaps they'll be here for uh, one year. But the the other thing too is like, I mean, legitimately, like I like DL Hall, um, I like Ortiz, but the fact is, he's 26 years old. He was blocked right, here, right? Um, so like. Ultimately, after the trade's over with, you gave up D.L. Hall and a guy that was probably never going to really make headway here unless something you know drastically changed with an injury, an opportunity, what have you. Um, and then you get that draft pick back. So you're going to get a pick back even if Burns walks the next year. So I don't like I, I think that was a calculated move um, that the Orioles did a phenomenal job. And I think the Brewers got back some serious value. I think Ortiz is really good. No, no, no I, I, um, but I feel that know, way but, on both sides, right? Like I know what yeah. you're saying about the, and that's why I, I 1000% was in favor of the move. But at the same time, you did pay something to make that move. And now you're here. And look, I hope that, you know, there's a new day under David Rubenstein and the Orioles are giving out money, but then we'd have to debate whether or not that money should go to Burns or should it only go to your, you know, the, the Rutschmans, the Gunners of the world. Like, we can talk about that down the road. I just think that we know enough about a Scott Boris client to know, and he basically came out and said, I'm going to go to free agency. That's the way it's going to be. I, I think once you once you decide to make the move, you can't then say, well, it's not really about this year. Well, like, I think to some extent it has to be a little bit about this year because the one bold move that you made was for this year. Glenn, I didn't hear anything else you said after it's going to be because then uh, I, in my mind, I kept going. It was, it's I'm going to be the man who goes along. Oh, that was you. where you were going. I thought you were going to go. It's going to be May. I thought that was no, where. Oh, well, you... see, that would have been a good one too. I but uh, like that one yeah, too. Yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, just going back to all this, like, so in your mind, like, Basayo's not untouchable depending on the trade. Yeah, right? that's the thing. It's not untouchable. It's not me saying I want to get rid of Samuel Basayo tomorrow. I'm not. It's not even you saying that you would have. I mean, would you have traded Basayo I just, for I, a Lizardo? I would, I would need to know. I would be willing to make that move depending upon what else was involved in the deal. If it was Basayo okay. and, like, Judd Fabian, if it was Basayo and Dylan Beaver, something like that, yeah, you know, like, I'm probably going to say I'd be willing to make that move in part because Lizardo has three years of control. You know what I mean? Like, that's. I, I'm not making. I'm not trading Basayo for some right. I'm not trading Basayo for a another rental. There's no way in hell that that's happening. Um, but if that's what it takes in order to get that level of pitching, extending that window, it keeps, you can't. You can't keep See, I, all of these guys. Yeah, and I guess that's where we as fans really have to trust the front office, and they've done nothing to show us that they haven't done anything but made the right move so far, right? I mean, right. we could sit here and maybe second-guess them not making a move to make the team better last year, but we don't know what was offered and what they were trying to get. But I think of the moves they've made, they've always done a pretty good job. And the only thing we have to question is when they go to sign players, now what's going to happen? And with new ownership, you're hoping that that's not an issue moving forward. Sure. But and with, with, go ahead. I'll, I'll add to it, Jeremy. We talked about this a little bit earlier, Griff and I. Like, I do think the Basayo conversation – 
there is it'll be interesting to see how they might say internally left-handers are going to be more valuable in this organization moving forward because of the nature of the wall like and if that's their argument is we talked to you about Mayo we're just not talking about Basayo because we're not giving we will not give up any left-handed bats left-handed bats are now gold to us they are the most valuable asset we can't give one of those up I'll listen to that you know side of the equation as well which is if the Orioles are just sort of openly saying we it's got to be left-handed bats it's got to be left-handed bats it's got to be left-handed bats because we have such an advantage even though you play half your games on the road like I'll I will be understanding of that when it comes to the uniqueness of the situation yeah and and look, uh, that's where I was getting to with, with trust in the front office. Is like if they if they looked at Luzardo and felt like he was a good fit because again, Luzardo is a guy that came up with the A's. Kind of like when you look at his um, the the roller coaster at the beginning of his career, it's like all right, is he the prospect right, he thought he was right. struggling, and then refines himself with the Marlins? Is that a guy you're willing to bet on? I mean, because we could be saying a lot of similar things about Carlos Rodon if you look at his career and how he's bounced around the league down year last year. Does he come back this year and pitch well? So. Um, it's about making the right moves. And, and again, control is, is a huge thing that you're talking about. So yes, you would give up something of value to have control and somebody relatively on the cheap. How do you do the, 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 how in the world, I know the way you live, man. How do you handle getting up like this every day? And I, it's... I, I don't sleep much, man. And like, honestly, I, I try to find spots to take naps here and there and things Bro. like that. And most days I don't like to do it. It was weird being off these three days because I kept waking up at like four in the morning um and then going back to bed and then feeling like you slept too long and you're only asleep another hour it's, it's just weird and then you're making business decisions with the the games at night so it's like am i going to bed early and re-watching this stuff on youtube in the morning um because that's what i do i like you can watch all this stuff and, it, it, and hopefully not miss anything but um you know when i'm coming to work i want to make sure i've seen almost everything uh, so I don't miss uh, like a question that somebody asked. The one nice thing about last night is that I had no problem going to bed. Like there was no sporting event that I was it was dragging for me. But like man, I am so ready to go lay on that couch in the office and just recreate the uh, the scene after the drinking show because I am spent. I am. Yeah, and, I mean, you, but you were also who was with you this morning? Was it just you? Oh no, it was Rita and Drew. Yeah, how about that for a combo? How about yeah? No, but at least you had other people because when you're talking to yourself, like yeah, the one no, thing that people don't realize yeah. is if you're not taking phone calls and you're constantly talking to yourself, it it just it does something to you. It just kind of drags the energy out of you. Yep. It's hard to explain. Oh, I'm crushing. not telling you it's putting on roofs or anything, yep. but it's crushing. It's different. All right, brother, what's going on this week? Uh, it's Rob and I this week, so um, we'll uh, he and I will probably fight about a bunch of different things. Um, you know, we'll have our barbershop topic of the day. Me and the girls at Great Clips, he at the barbershop. Oh. We're always chatting about sports oh. and things like that. So, yeah. So it'll be fun. And then, of course, uh, a lot of Oriole talk. And I wanted to get into, there was some really, really bad refereeing this weekend. And I know it's something we talk about quite a bit. I don't mean bad from the standpoint of, like, wrong calls. I mean bad from, I don't know that they knew the rules of the game. <laughs> so, uh, we'll be talking about that some tomorrow as well. Right, very good. At J-Con Sports, concrete locks with two ends, and, of course, the uh, Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbooks in Canton and Towson. Love you, brother. Appreciate you, man. We'll talk soon, all right? Thanks, guys. It's Jeremy Con with us here on GCR. All right, we're going to try to keep this to a tidy two hours. You seen that uh, meme that's going on, uh, going around with the Sabrina Ionescu? Um. 
It's like a juxtaposition like, of her uh, dressed for a game and then her dressed to like go out at night. Oh yes, of course. Like, and everybody's like, "Wow, I had no idea." And then I saw she is well, lovely people were like, "Well, people are just now realizing that they don't wear their uniforms." Yeah, believe it or not, right? Like they're not always constantly wearing their uniform. But I just don't know. Somehow, I don't think I'd ever seen a picture of Sabrina Ionescu not in a uniform in the course of her life. Yeah. Very lovely young lady. She is. Very lovely young lady. All right, uh, let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you today by Goose Flights, available in cans at all of the Glory Days Grill locations uh, throughout town, also available in cans at, speaking of the Green Turtle, Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbook in Canton, and available in cans at Alonzo's on Cold Spring Lane. Cans and Sixers available at Guilford Hall Brewery and Station North, also available at the Casa Sin, Sixers and Cases can be found at the Wine Source in Hamden. Delicious beer, good cause, 198 from every can to the Goose Flights Foundation. Help us continue the legacy and celebrate the legacy of the great Tony Siragusa. Find out more at PressBoxOnline.com slash Goose Flights. Lefty Drizel, he is one of two coaches ever, college basketball coaches, to have 100, with, 100 wins with four different schools. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, He was the first. Yes, yes, he was So the there's been one since then. There's been one guy that added his name to the list. And, oh, God. Yeah, it's kind of a tough one. You say that, but like... He I've, retired last year. Who retired last year? And he was, year? At, uh, he was at Coastal Carolina last year. Oh, um, uh, Dale Brown? No, not Dale Brown. He was also at... Um, Tired last year. He was at Coastal Carolina last year. Before that, Auburn. Before that, Clemson. Well, that, this is who I thought it was, and I, it's just not the name. Oh, so why did, yeah. I, how did I confuse with Dale Brown? Um, I know who this is. I know this is exactly who I thought it was, but I'm just not... Don't, 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 right. don't. South Alabama's where he started. Don't. Oh, now I know. Yeah. Um, no, I swear to God I know this. Oh, God. I swear I believe you know it, too. And I don't know why I've convinced myself that it was Dale Brown, but I know I know this. Uh. You're almost there. It's a... Okay. so It's a basic-sounding name, correct? Yeah. Cliff Ellis. Cliff Ellis. Wow. Cliff Ellis is Wow. Well done. Dude, I knew it. I've just... So Dale Brown was LSU. Cliff Ellis was Auburn. That's like... I've sort of... Yeah, yeah. I see what she did. I'm telling you. That's not... I knew that. I just needed to think through what the name was. Yeah, I did know that. Well done. Um, I didn't know that was who had the four wins at 100 schools. But you knew what I I was talking about. Yes, Yes. correct. All right. All right. Um, I was gonna do another one with, with like I want ten other coaches, but it seems like I mean we're on what is this? We're entering hour seven for you. So what do you want? Let's do do you want to do it? Okay. What do you have? I was just gonna say is it, it, should I? What what is? Uh, it? so Lefty is he is uh tied for seventeenth all time for most uh most twenty win seasons in college basketball history with twenty two twenty two twenty win seasons for Lefty. Um, so I wanted to see if you could uh round at the top ten. Okay. Uh, they all have had 27. Yes. He is, depending on what list you look at, he's number two. He's number two on my list. Because number one, it'll make sense when you get number one. 
37 seasons for oh, because Coach somebody K. that they've they've disqualified. Yeah, they've like disqualified. Cal- is that well, it wouldn't be Calipari because he no, wouldn't have more. Cal- Calipari is on the list though. He is How many am I getting? It's supposed uh, to guess? Uh 10. 10. Calipari is uh tied for 8th, 27. So you got Cal and K. All right. Um uh Bob Knight. Yes. Bob Knight is tied for 4th, 29. 29 20 win seasons. So, I really, I really wish you wouldn't have said the thing about who's no, winning. Because now I'm like, you well, I'm, I mean, like, I'm spending way too much it. time thinking about it. Uh, I'll say... I'll say... Oh, uh, Eddie Sutton? Uh, Eddie Sutton just misses the cutoff here. He is 11th with 25 20 win seasons. Bayheim? Jim Bayheim would be he had so he has had oh, thirty one yeah, that they like, because So he's number right. one on my list. They've this I think they've went back and they changed like four different seasons. So depending he's either one or two. I'll go with thirty eight or thirty four. Calhoun? Uh Jim Calhoun just misses as well. Twenty four. Dean Smith. Dean Smith, number three on the list. So Boheim. Bayheim. That's what I said. No, it's not. Coach K, Dean Smith, Bobby Knight is four. Um, Patino. Uh, yes, Rick Patino, twenty-seven, tied with Coach Cal. Probably not going to get one this year. How many was that? I don't know, but he seemed—he was very unhappy. Oh, St. John's, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like fourteen and twelve or something. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Am I playing the NIT or something? I don't know. How about Denny? Good for a little. Denny Crum. Uh, no. No Crum. How about Crum had twenty-one. Uh, 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 Roy Williams. Yes, Roy Williams, tied with Bobby Knight, twenty-nine. So you got the top five here. Leonard Hamilton. No, Leonard Hamilton, not in the top ten. Raleigh Massimino. No, Raleigh. John Thompson. John Thompson, only nineteen. John Cheney. No. Oh boy. Um. Adolph Rupp. Uh, Rupp just misses as oh, well. For God's Twenty-three. Sakes. John Wooden. No, John Wooden. Lute Olson. Lute Olson. 28. He is sixth on the list. Gary Williams. No, no, Gary Williams. Gary Williams had 18. Bum. Yeah. <laughs> that stinks. How about Bill Self? Bill Self. Tied with uh, Patino and Calipari, 27. Looking him for his, or I think I already included it since he's had. Uh, Tom Izzo. Um, no Tom Izzo. Really? I think we got one more, right? Yeah, there's one more. Yeah, one more. I got nine on my list. I can't believe Tom Izzo's not on that list. Let's see where stink. Izzo's at. How about? How about? Uh, yeah, God. Uh, uh, Jerry Tarkanian. Uh, no Tarkanian. He also just misses oh, twenty-five. Gene Katie. No Gene Katie. God damn it. You essentially named every one ahead of Lefty now at this point. There's two others. I'll give it to you after you get this guy that we're missing. So this guy that we're missing, also no longer coaching, but he did, last season was his last season. Uh, not because he retired, though. Who am I forgetting about? Somebody was fired? Uh, Yes. Scandal? Yeah. Well, Why am I forgetting? Not, not like so much a scandal, but just like, oh, we can't employ this guy. Who? Oh, Bob Huggins. Bob right. Huggins. Jesus Christ. Bob Huggins, 28 wins, uh, 28 seasons, right. tied with Lute Olson. Right. Uh, and then also with 25, Dana Altman and Mark Few. Okay. And those are the only other guys that we didn't name ahead of Lefty. All right. Very good. Very good. 
Tubular is brought to you today by Superbook. Superbook.com. Download the Superbook app. Use the code GlennClark23. When you sign up, you'll receive up to $250 in a same-day first bet match. Win or lose. Some new uh, baseball futures bets that are now available. Like, for example, you can bet whether a team will make the playoffs. The Orioles Mm. minus 210, yes, is the favorite to make the playoffs. Um, The team that finishes the regular season with the most wins in all of baseball is now a market that's available at Superbook. Orioles have – go ahead. Who do you think – run run down the – they, they po- yeah. oh, are you looking at I, it? I, I just pulled it up. You I only son saw, of a bitch. I only saw number one, which was going to be my guess anyway. I got the top ten. Go ahead. Uh, the Dodgers. Yes. Number one. Um, now you're looking just, at no, it. I'm just clicking click at it. You're so looking at it. I didn't look at it. Number two, the Braves. Yes. Astros. Yeah, uh, they're actually fourth. Oh. Are the Orioles? They are no. fifth. They're fifth. Okay. Fifth. Who would be third? That I'm. That I just completely glossed mm-hmm. over. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, like uh, the National League. I mean, there's only two teams that I could think of like that. Like just. Mm, who am I forgetting in the National League? No, I would just name other teams. So we're not here. Yankees. The Yankees are fourth. Yes. Okay. The next five. Wait, are... so who's third? The Yankees. The... Oh, sorry. The Yankees are third. Sorry. Oh, okay. Sorry, they're Crazy. third. Ahead of the Astros and Orioles. And yes, correct. Um, the bottom five are Red Sox. No, um, good. Red Sox have Blue Jays two hundred to one odds. The Blue Jays are seventh. Okay, wrong. Rays. Rays are tenth. They round out the all top right. ten. Um, all right, so we got the AL East out of the way. The Cubs. No, they are like fourteenth, fifteenth. Cardinals. No. I'm just trying to think of who's going to win the NL Central. They'll have a couple wins. None of these teams are NL Central teams. Okay, that kind of makes sense. Um, so probably no AL Central teams either. The Rangers. The Rangers are ninth. The defending World Series champions. I just realized the Rangers, the Blue Jays, and another team are all tied for okay. seventh. That just re- just struck me. Um, By the way, the Orioles 14 to one. Dodgers uh, mm-hmm. uh, plus 160. Uh, the Mariners. Mariners tied with the Rangers and the Blue Jays, and the sixth best odds are. Uh, okay. Uh, 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 Diamondbacks. No. Darn it. No. Uh, Phillies. Phillies. Sixth best odds. They are at plus. The Diamondbacks. Two thousand. Diamondbacks have the twelfth best odds at plus four thousand. Tied actually they're tied for eleventh with the Cardinals and the Twins. So there you go. That's a market that's available right now at SuperBook. Go sign up today. Um, right now, you can watch the uh, final of the PLL Championship Series down at the St. James. I hear the turf hasn't been great down there, but scoring a lot the, of goals. The cross has been pretty good. Yeah. Uh, that's on ESPN two right now. The uh, Water Dogs and the Cannons. Um, also, right now on Fox, the UConn women taking on Creighton at noon. The Daytona five hundred was postponed from yesterday. It's yes. coming up today at four o'clock. I know. Okay. Now I can watch. That's the good news. That's today at four. Uh, Coppins at UMES at 8 o'clock tonight on DelmarvaSportsNetwork.com. Morgan's at Delaware State at 7.30, DSUHornets.com. Big hoops tonight. Uh, ESPN has Virginia, Virginia Tech at 7, then Iowa State, Houston at 9. ESPN 2's got Kansas State, Texas at 9. Hockey this afternoon on ESPN. Maple Leafs Blues at 1. Red Wings cracking at 3.30. NHL's trying to slide in and take President's Day because nobody else wants it. They should. I guess, except that like maybe you put the stadium game, like yeah, something today, that because they did it over the weekend, right? right? Something that people would be inclined to. These are just regular season hockey games. Really hard to get people to tune in for a plain old ass hockey game. So maybe you take that stadium thing and you put it on Monday, and the people say, "Oh, I'll look at that." 
Just an idea. That's all. Just a hi, Glenn Clay. Did you see what they're doing next year, by the way? For the hockey? No. They, they announced their stadiums. So they always do the Winter Classic. Next year's is at Wrigley Field, I believe. Uh. They announced next year's stadium series is at Ohio State. Oh, okay. Where the Blue, Blue Jackets will take on the Red Wings. So they'll do like Ohio State, Michigan bit. And they're expecting a crowd of over 100,000 at Ohio Stadium for that. So Jeez, are they? It's a clever idea. Yeah. It's a big, big place. Clever idea. Doesn't hockey fan? Uh, yeah, I mean, because people that are at least people that are interested in yeah, the yeah, spectacle. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess if I was around, I, I went would to go. a stupid stadium game when I was in New York once. Uh, the week of the Super Bowl, I don't remember who was playing in it. It was at Yankee Stadium. Luke Jones, or I was offered tickets. So I'd be the Devils, and it could have been the Islanders. It could have been the Rangers. Oh, yeah, it could have been any of those teams. <laughs> Had to be the Devils. Yeah, obviously the New Jersey team is the team the that would make the most sense. In fact, I'm gonna guess it was Rangers Islander Islanders, and then because I think they played two stadium games that week. And they just turned around and played the same two teams. Mm, it would have been cool if they did, like, Bruins. I don't know. Here's, someone. Oh, Boston, New York yeah. thing, I guess. Um, I know that the a friend of mine, a buddy of mine, came to the table. This is the same guy that got me in to see Stevie Wonder the year before. Came to the table and was like, hey, man, you want to go to the hockey game? And I was like, I guess. <laughs> I don't think we're doing anything else. Sure. So he gives me these two tickets. And I'd say to the entire staff, well, like, bad news for you. My buddy gave me two tickets. So the three of you in our traveling party, you're going to have to compete to get over who gets to be my date. And Drew and the old boss were just like, now Luke can go. We're like, huh? They're like, sit outside. It's like 10 degrees outside. You want me to go sit outside and watch hockey tonight? I'm good. No, thank you. And Luke and I were like, all right, well, we're going to go have a good time. And like, in and you had a good time? Beginning of the second period, we look at each other like, we're good. We can leave, right? Oh, man. Yeah, it was oh, awful. Just awful. Not selling the stadium awful. series. Stunk. Stuff. I mean, maybe if it would have been light out, like <laughs> that might have helped at night. Oh, it was dreadful. It was so miserably cold. You could barely see what was going on in the game. It was awful. The one that sounded cool when they played on the lake last year, or was that yeah, last but nobody year? was allowed? That was during COVID. They oh, yeah, only did right. that because there was no audience. So nobody was out. Should have done that watch. for every game. <laughs> I'm not opposed to it, but it really only worked during COVID. Yeah. Okay. Um, Non-sports. No. Uh, the Bachelor. No. And okay, so Giannis has a documentary coming out today uh, on Prime Isn't Video. There already a Giannis thing. Giannis, the marvelous journey. Oh no, there was journey. a Disney movie about Giannis, right? Oh uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. What was it? What there was, was. there was a Disney movie about Giannis and his brother or whatever. Um, this one's just it essentially stands. a documentary, just like him talking about you know his, his journey to the NBA and it, superstardom. Good for him. Yeah, looks good. Looks him. good if you're. I guess I should have pointed out NHL Network has Senators Lightning at seven and the USA Network for Everton Crystal Palace at three, WWE Raw at eight. My my son is so. Oh, we're doing no mission. Tommy Izzo had twenty two, uh, twenty win seasons by the way. So he would have been Who? tied with Lefty. Tommy Izzo. Oh, okay. Tied tied with Lefty. All right, thank you. I I feel some vindication now. Yeah. We good? Uh, I think so. Very good. Thanks today to John Lucas. Thanks also to Tom McMillan, to Jeremy Kahn. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the... Oh, my God. It's so good. Tab at glennclarkradio.com. Um, tomorrow is... Uh, Terry Hasseltine will join us tomorrow. Keith Law to join Keith us Law, tomorrow. Keith Law will join us tomorrow to talk about... We'll talk... We'll ask him if Samuel Basayo should be untouchable. Mm-hmm. Um, Terry Hasseltine is joining us ahead of the CIAA tournament. And... Uh, normal Patrick, Tuesday. Yeah, yes. Patrick, of course, and uh, County Sports on Radio and stuff and things. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Live Casino and Hotel, Mother's North Grill, A.J. Michaels, Guilford Hall Brewery, Royal Farms, Costas Inn, Superbook Sports, Glory Days Grill, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, at Glenn Clark Radio. 
Have a great Monday evening. Go Morgan. Go Coppin. Duke sucks.